everybody and welcome back to another episode of Quentin Quarantino and it's a doozy this time because yep it's inglorious bastards after so long and with us today we've got an entire crew of total bastards of course you've got me but you've also got Finn ahoy hoy and Fraser hello hello and Mr Jack hello that's right, we will be your bastards today, and in fact, one of us is even Jewish, and we're going to launch straight in. I thought you were going to say one of us is actually a bastard. <laughs> one of us is a bastard, it's <laughs> revealed exclusively today. It's like Jeremy Kyle. Um, I'm going to start now, just just let me roll with what I'm about to say, okay guys? Okay? Mm-hmm. Okay, so we start with a title card of Inglorious Bastards, um, uh, and silhouetted people getting thrown around and some explosions. It says... Quel maledetto treno blindato, which I initially thought was just a misspelling of Quentin Tarantino. Uh, all of my credits were then in Italian at the start of this movie, <laughs> where, uh, which I've watched, and it was just two minutes of blue and red, and I thought it was like a post-vaccine fever dream. Anyway, then scene one is in France in 1944. US soldiers at prisoner of war camp, people spitting at deserters, various things. Anyway, it was at this point I realised I was watching the wrong movie. Uh, you see, I had bought the 1978 Enzo Castellari um, movie, uh, Inglorious Bastards, from CEX, uh, which does include an interview of Quentin Tarantino, which is why I got confused. Um, nice. So I, I watched that movie for 10 minutes, and I will go and finish it, because it looked quite good. But yes, um... Uh, I will say the one benefit I did get was I got this poster, which you can hear in the background. I got a poster with it of of the movie Whiteout, starring Kate Beckinsale, a movie that has a 3.5 on IMDb. So that's nice. So yes, now I bought the wrong DVD and I'll start again and go on Netflix. So let's actually start now. That is impressive. That's... That's... It was a real. I said this to some other friends, and they said that is a. I mean, I hope you don't get offended by this, David. But that is such a David thing to do. Mm. And I was like, the, yeah. The fact that, that you know so little about the, the worst film part was, I was in a charity shop. Got the wrong movie. When I was watching it, I was in a charity shop on the day I was going to watch Big uh, Glorious Bastards, and they had a copy of it, and I was like, I don't need that. I've got one. So <laughs> that that didn't come back to bite me. I mean, that's exactly what happened when me and Caitlin tried to find the the Twin Peaks film online using a bay, a certain port. Um, but it, when we 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 found it, and the first the first three were all just the deleted scenes. <laughs> they were entirely deleted scenes. Which, German. when you're watching a David Lynch film. When you're watching a David Lynch film, it's all deleted scenes. It, it it you you can literally watch it and you can be there for 20 minutes being like this film doesn't make much sense. <laughs> Let's keep trying. <laughs> oh. Back to the main thing. <laughs> yeah. So chapter 1, Once Upon a Time in Nazi France. So we open on a farmhouse in 1941. There's a man chopping wood and a woman putting up some sheets. And then you hear some noise. What's behind the sheets? It's the Nazis! Something you never want to see behind your sheets. And they're coming along in cars and motorbikes, as they all want to do. So the dad, this, who's the dad of this family, he sits and he waits and he sort of washes his face in bowl. And to me, not knowing who it was, I sort of assumed they were Jewish. They're not Jewish. But um, it felt like like a last stand. And it is sort of a westerny style thing, this movie. So it, it, it definitely evokes that. Um, but it's tense, right from the start. 
it oh, establishes it's, itself. It's brilliant. It's such a brilliant scene oh. that the way you like that. I don't know. I feel like the the bathing helps him cover up any any fear and tension he might have. Yeah, he's you, you splash cold water on yourself to like get yourself together. Yeah, yourself and also together. just you know if he's because I feel like that's a situation that would make you sweat. Oh yeah, more. <laughs> and so certainly just soaking yourself is the solution. I would say, I feel like they must know that there's going to induce sweating response in them, whether or not they're harboring juice when the Nazi Nazi commander shows up. But yeah, so Christoph Waltz, who's dressed in all black in an SS uniform, gets out of the car. Um, I wonder if he's the bad guy. He is. He's Officer... I kept saying Lambda, Colonel, but it's, it's Lambda. Hans Lambda. Hans Lambda. So I might often refer to him as Lambda, like the Greek letter. That's because <laughs> I'm stupid and not because of the film. He says, you know, may I come in? And they go into the farmhouse and the farmer's wife and daughters are waiting. What's the, what's the farmer's name, Jack? <laughs> Monsieur Lapidit, as uh, he likes to say. I mean, the best thing I think about the, the acting in the scene is that he's being enormously friendly and very polite. He's mm. asking permission for everything. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, all the power in the scene is him. And he's just playing with his so phone. So this is Christoph Waltz. But the whole time he is in yeah. absolute control of the situation. You know, no one makes a move unless he allows it's, them to. It's it's a, it's a terrifying calm. Like it's a terrifying calm. Yes, he's a shark. Yeah, he's a shark sitting at a table. Um, and he knows he knows the fish are there. That's the thing. He totally knows the fish are there, but the fish don't know. And he's talking to some other fish. That doesn't help. That doesn't make sense. You spend you basically you'll spend the entire movie wondering how much he actually knows because that all the tension yes. is based on does he know what's up most of the time the answer is yes i think the thing about christoph waltz's performance in this we should say is every performance is good in this movie but christoph waltz is uh, for me the absolute standout he, i mean it's and he won, standout. i think he he is the star he won of the oscar show. for this yeah yeah, I mean, it's an, it's just an incredible performance. He's so creepy as well. So he compliments the guy's daughters in French. Yeah, that's, and then he's offered wine. Each one is more yeah, beautiful than the last. Oh yeah, the guy the guy offers him wine because he's trying to get him drunk. Oh, yeah. does that makes sense? He, he like, says no, I'll have milk, and I'm like, that's that's some creepy. That's like creepy Star Wars. Well, it, yeah, the, 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 milk's, the milk's creepy, but the reason why he tries to get his daughters to give him wine is because it's going to make it easier to lie wow, to him. Wow, that makes sense. That's really cool. Um, I will say. I was concerned that milk might be another Quentin Tarantino fetish. Um, you'll, you'll notice no. that alcohol is alcohol is um, ignored by the person in the position of an interrogator multiple times in this movie. It comes up later as well. The, but he does the, the drink. Pe- pe- people who are trying to find something right. out do not touch alcohol. But when he's getting ready to negotiate later, he does have alcohol. Yes. Because he's like, chill about it. Oh, very cool. Um, but yeah, this is what I said. I've written a quote here. This is more like it. A scene where a Nazi slowly drinks milk. That's what I was missing from the previous film. Um, no, so basically, you end up with just um, Christoph Waltz like, and Mr. Lapetit in the, in the farmhouse in this discussion. And they're both speaking. He says, can we switch to English? Which you don't. We'll come he back to later. He says he's exhausted the extent of his French while speaking in perfect French. Yeah. Can we go to English? So he then, they then switch to English. Now you think that's just inconsequential. But let me get to the end of the scene. Yeah. It, it, feels, like, it feels like it's it's not. It's, you know, he's only doing it because this means that now the film is much more palatable for an American audience. That's definitely what I thought. Uh, but of course, as you'll see, it's two-thirds subtitles the whole film plays on the audience's expectations of a yeah of a, of a, a world war ii film especially mm. and so 
the the expectation that the, the the Nazis will for some reason speak in perfect English, even in scenes where they're not speaking to English people. Yeah, that's um, fair. And that's Tarantino went to great lengths to get people who could speak the, yeah, the, the, speak the languages, speak languages. That, they're, that they're in. And uh, well, that's yeah, why yeah. Christoph Waltz. Christoph Waltz speaks four uh, languages. At yeah, he's he is <laughs> yes. a he is and, the pinnacle of actor. Because he yeah. can speak four languages and is literally perfect in this film. I'll say uh, Daniel Daniel Brun, who is in this um, later um, as as Zola, uh, he um, he did not speak French very well. Uh, so what he did was he just scattered Spanish into his into his rehearsals in the bet that Quentin Tarantino wouldn't notice, and they didn't, and they got the part, and then he learned French properly. So he, um, little, he is, is he Spanish? He looks a little bit Spanish. He is, but he is half Spanish. Yes. Isn't he also um, the guy that plays the villain in? He's Baron uh, Zemo. Captain, yeah, he is. He's the villain in. Civil I was going to say. I was going to say when we get to it, Daniel Brühl is that he seems to get a career out of playing fictional Nazi. Although in the MCU, he's not necessarily as much of a Nazi. But yes, he's very good at playing fictional Nazis. Is Daniel? Yes, Brühl. he is. Um, he's very he's good excellent. at playing fictional authoritarian psychopaths. <laughs> very powerful fighters and Nazis. So basically, um, we have this whole scene of this conversation between the farmer, now in English, and Christoph Waltz. He, he's there to round up the Jewish people in the area, but there's one family that's that's vanished, and they're like, do you have any information? He goes, oh, and the farmer's like, only rumours. And he's like, I love rumours! Except not in that accent. And it's like, oh, wow, I, lo- I almost have this guy on a t-shirt with I love rumours, except for the fact that yeah, he's Yeah, he, he's so uniform. quotable. That's, that's the, yeah. the issue. He's so he's approachable. Just... That's his magic. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I want to be an approachable See, this, boss. This is where the so... Nazi appeal came from. This, this is how they swept over nations. It's so quotable. It's just so <laughs> catchy. Oh, no, so the camera, as they, as he sort of tells Waltz about the names of all the people that he's looking for, the camera just pans around this 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 um, farmhouse, going around them the, as they talk, and then it pans down slowly through the floor. And there is a family of very, very terrified Jews whose names have just been listed, panicking and looking up. Now, I would say that the thing is, he switched to English, as he reveals later, because he knows they probably don't speak English. And so he can talk and they won't get alerted. I would say that they might recognize their names, even if they were spoken in English. Yeah, yeah. that's to be expected, though, because his visit is to find them and... You know, he he. I suppose like, yeah. The, they're not, gonna, they're they're not they, like, oh, why is he here? He's not going to be like, hey, pink. I heard your milk was great. Can <laughs> I have <laughs> some milk? Maybe, um, you don't know that. Maybe I mean, milk... that is the kind of that is the kind of thing the Nazis do. But it wouldn't be the SS turning up. Be one no. of the brown shirts turning up and asking to requisition their milk. <laughs> I'd like to requisition this milk. cow. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they literally did that. <laughs> We call her Old Bessie, but Bessie stands for Best is <laughs> Eliminating Jews. <laughs> oh, God, that's terrible. Anyway, you've got this family of very terrified Jews, the Dreyfuses, and it's so tense seeing them panic, lying flat. Under you the- see their eyes not unblinking through the floorboards. Can I give you a thing that's going to make this even more crazy? This fact is insane, and I checked in, it's true. The dad of this family, who's only in this scene, He's related to Anne Frank directly. The actor. He's the actor. His granddad is the, was the cousin of Anne Frank, or his dad. Oh wow, that's cool. So I mean, that's that's pretty crazy. Um, but this guy, Christoph Waltz, his nickname is the Jew Hunter, 
Um, so again, probably the bad guy. Um, and he likes that name. He yeah he he likes the fact that it is something earned from his effectiveness. He doesn't sort of relate it to the German what people he thinks German people are like. They're like he says they're like birds of prey, doesn't he? Like like a hunter. Whereas Jews are like rats. Um, and then you have to and he's like I'm good because I can think like a rat. And he 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 also says that he doesn't he doesn't think that that's a bad comparison. Uh, he says I I I agree with the comparison, but not. The intention because a rat has a hard life. Yeah, he says he doesn't consider it That's an insult fine, because the rat is in a really hostile environment and yeah. he's very good at surviving. I've been called a rat and I still consider it an insult. Um... <laughs> but have you been called a rat by Christoph Waltz with all of his Nazi charms? It was, I don't think it was Christoph Waltz, it was dark. <laughs> um, I can't be sure. I but... can't be sure it wasn't Christoph Waltz, um, but that changes everything. Look, short, um, short of Kermit the Frog, I don't think you could have an easier time <laughs> identifying someone by their voice. Right. <laughs> hey, uh, I think he the did, Jewish race should I think be you're a, destroyed. You're a bit of a rat. <laughs> Kermit? Oh, sorry, Miss Piggy. I was just being anti Semitic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, she's a pig. So she, I don't know if that means that she'd like them or not. I guess likes, we don't eat her. Um, but we, we were talking about birds, though, weren't we? And the Nazis have, have lightning lightning things on their epithets, don't, don't they? Like, and what, what goes with lightning? Uh, it's thunder. Thunder, thunder, thunder birds. Um, uh, so, yeah, so no. Uh, the 20, so it turns out from my research that actually an episode of Thunderbirds in uh, the 1962 had about £22,000 budget an episode, not not what I said in the previous episode, yeah. and not what it says on Wikipedia, because I bought okay. the book. I bought the book, and Wikipedia's that's, numbers that's are wrong. Really they might have averaged over several sources. I'm, Thank you. I'm uh, really impressed at your knowledge of Thunderbirds. And Thank also, I, I'm impressed that... That actually now I see Thunderbirds as a sort of neo-Nazi organisation. Yeah, you should. And do you know what? We were all... I was wrong. Wikipedia was wrong. And let's continue about even explaining what just happened. Um, so, basically, he then offers, basically, a punishment or a reward. And the dad starts to cry and gives in. It's viscerally upsetting. And it's so fucked up. And the music, these violins screaming... The soundtrack in this movie, it's not like a bopping soundtrack you're going to listen to, in my opinion, at least when you're out and about, but it matches the movie. I mean, the David Bowie track you'll bop to. Putting out the fire with gasoline, it plays later on in the movie. Okay, so, I should say, this is when, so Christoph Waltz gets up to leave, and he says to, he like opens the door, and he goes out, and he says basically, come in ladies, come in ladies, in French, to the family here, but it's his soldiers, and it's the same number of soldiers as women who left. And it's just, like, genius oh, on Tarantino's part. Yeah, genius on Tarantino's mm-hmm. part, genius on on um, Christoph Waltz's part, on Lambda's part, and then he, he they open fire on the floorboards, and then you see just one girl blood spattered as the older sister, so if she's eighteen, kick out the grating and just run crying. You see Christoph Waltz also looking through the floorboards before this, like, and he's got this like grin of just loving. The hunt, loving, it. loving his job, like just like he, yeah, like ah, he's he's really. I quite, love Mondays. Like, well, yeah, it's it's he's just this is what he, this is what he's excited about. Yeah, he's like the catch. I would say this is the best. I think this is the best Tarantino scene in any movie that he's done. That would be I genuinely. I mean, think I, I, I would I would is, agree with you there. I think I mean this is this just, is probably my favorite Tarantino film. This could have been just a short film as well. This yeah. bit, like this little little bit, that could have been the whole thing actually. 
just not the it whole just, influence, but I know that's it. Black screen for next two hours, but you know, like yeah, it, all the all the the German and French cinema inspired parts of this film are so out of character for other Tarantino films. Mm. But they're I just think so this is the most. Done. This is the most art a Tarantino movie is. It's got less blood and exploding people than I expected as well, which may be a bit sad, but it does make it less. <laughs> nah, it's got plenty. It, it, has, <laughs> it, has, it, hasn't, it has. In fact, I'd say it's more than I most want more. Tarantino movies. I want more. Um, <laughs> well, it's it's like the, there are scenes that are just one-liners and explosions, <laughs> and there are scenes yeah. which are it's beautifully crafted, tense, emotional thriller scenes. I need them. Um, so, chapter two, right? Scene one. Yeah, you missed the end of the scene, which is that he he after he's. After she's run out of the house, he goes outside and he draws his uh, sidearm. And I, I think he's more like he's aiming, but he's presumably he's not a, really a fighter, so he doesn't really get his aim on target. And then she's out of range, so he just put, he just holsters it again and he waves goodbye to her and shouts. Um, what is it? Doesn't he shout like um, "Au revoir, Shoshana!" After her. she runs yeah. off into the, into the grass. And he doesn't like he doesn't like get the men to get on the bikes. So they don't chase after her. No, or anything. he wants he wants. He literally is just like, oh well, got away. Oh dear. Oh well. To me, it was more like the hunt is on. Yeah. Yes, well, this will be a, a fun game both. for it's, the future. He, he, if the game is over, then he will also no longer be useful. So I could stay. I could extend my French holiday. A little bit. I mean, when you think about his actions later on in the film, he is the most self-serving human being that that, that ever was. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. Uh, shall we move on to the people who he'll meet later on in the film to be self-soothing to? Yes. <laughs> Chapter two. Yeah, sure. The US soldiers that we meet here. Uh, first we see Brad the Pitt. The, the eponymous bastards. Um, or B-A-S-T-E-R-D-S if you want to get Quentin Tarantino about this. Should point out when Tarantino was asked to explain, he was like, you don't explain an artistic flourish like that. It just takes the piss out of it. And I'm like, sorry, I agree it's an artistic flourish. I don't agree that there's much deeper meaning to it no, that but, would be destroyed I mean, I, I think... That we'll, it's just nothing. What's he going to... Like, I mean, it's like the well, exactly, David Lynch interview but, where it's like, you know, God, God is gay. And he's like, can I explain more? <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, Bastards it is spelled with an E. Can I explain more? Bastards is spelled with an E. Can I explain more? Nope. <laughs> nope. Okay, uh, but anyway, they want eight Jewish American soldiers, um, which is nice because we usually get picked last for sports. That's certainly my experience. Um, <laughs> Looking at how scrawny a couple of them were in the lineup, yeah. I think they would well, get I'd... picked last for sports. Now I'm not scrawny, I'm just fat, but I was scrawny. <laughs> <laughs> scrawny to fat and nothing in between. Um, that's the, my curse. The duality um, of man. <laughs> the duality of man. The duality of man. Anyway, they're going to be killing Nazis. Um, and basically the idea is, Nazis, these are Nazis, look at the things they're doing. They can't be taught humanity, so kill them. Um, yeah, I can relate. But the idea is that the, the bastards want to be so cruel that the Nazis, the Nazis, the nightmares of the Germans will be them. It's going to their country and basically become their boogeyman so that all their troops are afraid of you and they're wasting resources on eight guys who are doing something that's effectively inconsequential on the war. They're just killing the odd German patrol every couple I will say, weeks. you're saying, you're saying odd German guy, but he does want 100 Nazi scouts from each of them, you which would, if you include Brad Pitt, amount to 900, 900 Nazi, Nazi scouts, scouts, which is a lot of Nazis. So, 
But it's a lot. I know, to be fair, I know that over like you know, millions of people died in World War Two, so I guess it is a drop in the ocean. But um... yeah, I mean, I guess the it's always the 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 issue that they are. It's there, like World of Warcraft. And they are Bring me a hundred Nazi scalps to get this medallion <laughs> for this quest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just grinding Nazis. Bring me you human. Earned, <laughs> you have earned this Star of David medal uh, worn by an eagle holding a human skull in the other hand that is obviously a Nazi skull. Here you go. It's from me. And I it made it myself. You, it gives you plus one protection. <laughs> Plus 20% crit chance from stabbing from behind with baseball bats. <laughs> for, for scalping. For scalping. <laughs> you, you harvest more skin from scalping? Yeah. Um, that cuts to a scene of Hitler being really angry about Jews, which is, you know, start as you mean to go on, I suppose. And indeed have been going on for nearly a de- for over a decade. Um, Function as is... you have been and will continue to yeah, do so. Yeah, it will continue to be till you shoot yourself in the face. Uh, IMDB goof, this is. And this is this is the thing that made me really angry in our chat, right? So I saw this this thing was apparently a goof, right? It's still, as you said, he never wore, he never, never wore his brown with red armband uniform after 1939. Only his great boy from ever, ever. How the fuck did that guy... Did he have a Hitler a day calendar? Like, how did he know that Hitler <laughs> never wore a British brown suit ever during... <laughs> after the start Goebbels of the war? Goebbels announced that that was no longer fashionable, and therefore he wouldn't be caught dead in it. <laughs> oh, I hate the IMDb goofs. Um, but basically, what they're concerned about are rumours. Basically, Eli Roth, who plays the bear Jew, it's that Jew that has the Nazis really scared. They sort of view him as the golem, and like the, the sort of eponymous uh, yeah, Jewish they, golem, they don't think Jewish he's... people. They don't think he's like uh, he's magic, and this human. is yeah, and this is something that they should have made. I think would have been nice to have a little bit more of in the movie. The Nazis, the Nazis' obsession with the occult stops. I mean, how ingrained it was anyway is debatable, but definitely stops in the in forty three. But the movie's not there yet, is it? Well, it's also the the film isn't about World War Two. The film is about countries' perception of World War Two yeah. after the war. Therefore. If you want to include the Nazis being really into the occult, then that fits with the yeah, depictions of Nazis after the war. Good to have a little bit of it, not loads, because it really was less than people seem to think. Yeah, well, again, that's the nature of popular culture. Um, I will say, in terms of the atmosphere this scene creates, every time it cuts to somewhere where it's the bastards are involved, it's just like a Nazi area. It has this grim, sort of stagnant atmosphere. I feel like, particularly this scene, that Tarantino is just able to evoke. That I think is excellent. Yeah, um, it's this complete complete lack of like uh, independent thought as well. Like you can see that the people mm. who are working for him are so terrified, and they just and it's like and they're they're so resigned to it as well because they just they're like, they they yeah. want to say things, but he just shouts at them whatever they say, and so yeah. they're just it's completely like it's so sycophantic that the, the the air is completely stale. It's like you know it's a mad king. Yeah, well, I mean, definitely. Um, we get this flashback, though, now. So this, this guy Hitler's talking to is the only survivor of the recent bastards attack. We don't get a flashback to see the sort of scalping and the capture. And the first person we see getting scalped is Quentin Tarantino getting scalped as a Nazi. Um, but it's, it's a really great scene. They're in this forest, soldiers scattered around, watching the Nazis sort of dispassionately below. Brad Pitt then talks to 
Werner, who's the Nazi commander, yeah. right? It, yeah, it's, 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 one of my, it's, one, it's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. One of them. There's it summarizes, two more that are better. It summarizes the problem with the bastards as a with whole. With the bastards, so, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll just go get on to that. But it does, it, even though you still root for them, it makes them, it starts by making them also look like psychopaths. Oh, definitely. They are monsters. And it's great. <laughs> it's, it's great to see that in a movie like this, actually. The horrors of war. So they sort of say to this Nazi command, do you want a translation? How about Hugo Stiglitz? And all the, um, and it, it like Hugo shows Stiglitz. up in letters, like it's the A-team, like on the screen. And everyone laughs. Well, they pretty much are the A-team. Yeah, well, but only only just that for Stiglitz, though. Um, yeah, Stiglitz it, he's the, the only that. one of any yeah. significance. <laughs> the Abaracus, <laughs> Hugo Stiglitz. Um, That's it. That's all we got. It cuts away to explain his origin, and Samuel Jackson narrates this. It's pretty cool. Basically, everyone knows him as the guy, the German soldier that went and killed 13, 13? Uh, yeah, 13, 13 Gestapo agents, one of whom you see him, you see him kill a few of them, but one of them he, he kills by shoving hand. his hand down <laughs> his throat. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how that even I works. I guess he choked him out from the yeah, inside. I, I, I guess he chokes him out, but also, you know, it's like. Ripping open somebody's jaw is incredibly painful. Uh, I don't know why the guy of... doesn't just bite him when he does it. Oh, uh, you, you were biting wouldn't do much at that point, mate. And you can't. I mean, he wouldn't probably wouldn't have been able to bite him his <laughs> whole hand. How down far in. he gets his hand he, in? He, he does <laughs> it so slowly, though. At one point, he just does yeah. like, a couple of fingers in. It's like just bite them off. What are you <laughs> a couple doing? Of fingers in. You can't bite <laughs> this off Hugo Stiglitz's fingers. This is such a dumb assassination method. <laughs> like just fisting him in the mouth. And then, so oh, awful. thanks for that, Finn. You would you it's... would know about fisting in the mouth, wouldn't you, Finn? Um, I don't know what that means. What? Uh, yeah, well, it just sounds like a general rule of thumb. The next like three movies, the next like the next like three Quentin Tarantino movies, starting with this one, have some of the more visceral scenes of violence. <laughs> Stiglitz is um, rescued by the bastards, and like, you want to come on? You want to go? Pro Nazi so, killer it's or something? So, it's pretty like pretty cool. The scene is they almost like, cringeworthy. The darkness. How they. How they just there like you have a particular set of skills. We we like your Nazi killing skills. Yeah, like we like you to go professional. Recruiting like, <laughs> for the Nazi, um, the Nazi, the anti-Nazi Avengers. <laughs> uh, to to this German commander that cuts back to present. He's just a sergeant. He's not a commander. Oh, sorry, he, the German he's... sergeant. Sorry for buffing the Nazis' resume. Um, it's not going to do him much good. The bastards offer him basically the way we work is we do not take prisoners, so you can go free or you can die. It's your choice. Show us the street position. Show us where the snipers are on this map. He refuses, and then you just hear, "Pum, pum." Yeah, he refuses because he isn't. It will. It will mean killing other other Germans. It will mean basically also abandoning his men. It's against, again, technically, it's against the Geneva Convention to to uh, ask that question to to interrogate prisoners for information on their own side. Although yeah. the Germans only gave a damn about the Geneva Convention if you were Aryan, right. so that would be British and some Americans. I'm, I'm just just making clear. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not giving double standard here. They are breaking the Geneva Convention. So did the Germans plenty of times. I'm so, like, listen, when it comes to Nazi Nazis, I don't, German soldiers is one thing. When it comes to Nazi Nazis, I'm perfectly happy for the Geneva Convention to be broken. Sorry. Uh, but I don't think this guy, I think this guy is a Nazi. That's not the, many people are going to argue with that one. How is he implied to be a, a Nazi? I, I thought you made like a comment about dirty Jew dogs. Yeah, he, he well, does. I mean, what he else would you call them if yeah. they were going to kill you? <laughs> Like that's Just, why. That's, why do you just say Jew? Why? Because do you, that's why do you feel whole, the need their to whole say cause. Jew? Their whole cause is that they are they are Jewish and they are killing the Germans. The guy got the medal for bravery. Oh yeah. The point is that he is a he is a 
a German soldier who is caught in this conflict, in this violence, okay. who is not, that's, you know... Okay, that's not like, what I got for it. I mean, I, this scene isn't supposed to be heroic at all. No, I didn't get it heroic from any... I got it as torturous from every angle, like psychotic and terrible from all sides. That's how I took it. Okay. I mean. I, I, in, whenever I've watched it, I, the, the implication I've always found is that, that the point of the scene is that he is just a he is just a soldier in a war. I think that's he I is think that's fighting for fair. the Germans, but that is what happens if you are a German during World War Two. Okay, I think that's totally a fair reading. But this is where the badger emerges. He just have the bat hitting the floor, tap, 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 and then then Brad Pitt goes, "Danny," and you say, "Yeah." From the darkness, which is quite weird. <laughs> and then Eli Roth, thick accent. <laughs> hit by hit emerges emerges from this darkness. He's really it's an incredible scene, like so tense. And he takes his time. He just comes out, this quite quite thin guy with this baseball bat, and hit as a hit by hit, and it goes in between the beats of the Western style music that's playing. Really, really cool. And then he emerges to these trumpets. And he, as Eloroth approaches, the Bedgie approaches, and he looks at, like you're saying, he looks at the guy's chest, and he's got an iron cross on it, and he goes, you get that for killing Jews? I now see what you're saying more. And the guy goes, bravery? And so I took that to mean, he says, you get that for killing Jews. And his answer is basically, yes, yes, and that's bravery. That, I see now no, that no, you're saying that he's, he's saying it's something that's a different no, I didn't event. get that for killing Jews. I got that I got for that bravery. Because I read a look on Elon Roth's face, I, in his eyes, I can't Because he literally it. is like, what, we, what? He doesn't understand it. I don't know, because he's an idiot, the character. <laughs> like... uh, yeah, and, and basically the guy says bravery and then he just stares him down, which is like, I, I got this of being fearless in battle and I'm not going to be afraid of you. I've done, yeah. To me, the look in his eyes says sad, total sadness and total anger at the same time. That's what I got from it. Like this just, this pain and hatred. Total, total hatred. I don't think so, because after it, Maybe I'm like, reading too much into World Eli series, <laughs> Well, that's, and then he starts smashing his head in with a bat. I should say. I said, yeah, like he's not—he's not, he's not a deep man. Like, okay, maybe maybe I read too much into this one tiny bit. I would say it's real violent, and Eli Roth said he tapped into the violence through two things: wearing period-appropriate cotton underpants and <laughs> listening to Hannah Montana, which his girlfriend had stuck onto his iPod. Um, he said those two things helped him get into the violent spirit, <laughs> the American way. This is where they really. This is where they seem like psychopaths. This is where because he's yeah because they're all cheering. They love it. I'd say there's the the way the music just cuts out the second he actually does hit him in the head, and the thing is he's gone from this like really proud staring him down. I'm gonna dial my own terms thing, Uh, and all of the men clearly respect their sergeant. By the way, the 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 other two the other two German prisoners, and then it's like actually yeah your heroism or your attempt not having to say heroism your 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 um your bravery and whatever there's there's no glory in his death the second that that hits him he's just uh no, he's... in convulsions on the ground old from brain damage over. while he gets beaten to death and everyone else is crying so it, it it's kind of a bit of a lesson of there is no such thing as a proud death it, you might think that you're going out pr- with, with pride but like no you're, you're he, not yeah he knows that he didn't he didn't Betrayed. He also probably knew that one of the other guys in his squad was going to give them their information anyway. But he so wasn't going to be really the one to do no it. really made no difference whatsoever. Yeah, I guess that was that was the one That's thing. That's the, it's the like, principle. I'm not going to be the one to do it. So there's there's what there's two guys left alive, right? After this guy, and they shoot one of them <laughs> just straight away. Well, yeah, don't no, give well, them an well, offer. Well, the bedroom, Don, Donowitz, the man, he just says you and points at him, so the guy just immediately runs. <laughs> Does he? Does he run? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He points at him like you're next. Yeah, he's like he you're next. Runs off. Oh, I didn't notice that. 
<laughs> okay, and then, well, okay, Simon, there's one left. He's crying. Um, I didn't recognise him, but he's the guy that's talking to Hitler. And... He points straight at the map. It's, it's brilliant. Yeah, he just gives, gives him the map straight away. And basically they say, you know, you're going to be... You need to say to them, not that you gave us information because they'll kill you, um, that, you know, you're alive to spread, off, spread the word of us. Um, because they'll tell you not to do that, but that'll, that'll end it for you. But then, also, you're going to burn your uniform, aren't you? When you lose, either because you're ashamed of what you did or because you know what the world thinks of you, you are going to try and hide. We, we're not we're not comfortable with you doing that. So this is the thing the bastards do. They carve a swastika into his head. You, yeah, you assume they do this to everyone they, they let go. That's the implication. What's the quote he has? Like, you don't get to play at the Carnegie Hall without practice when he gets the <laughs> compliment on how it looks. <laughs> when they when it's the shot from the perspective of the swastika and they're looking up at him and the bear dude and the, the and the guy's the like, the guy's like the oh yeah. <laughs> like the other guy's like, oh man, that looks really good. And he's like, well, you don't get to play Carnegie Hall without practicing. It's a little like Mona Lisa he's done. Um, <laughs> chapter three, as we end on that, slow pan into a French, on the outside of a French cinema. There's a lady changing letters, and she is the final Dreyfus. I'm going to keep calling her Dreyfus because I forgot her first name. Shoshana. But the final, was it? Shoshana. Shoshana. I also can't pronounce that, so I'm going to keep calling her <laughs> Dreyfus. Um, the final Dreyfus survivor. It's four years later, and what happens is she's up on this ladder, and a uniformed Nazi, this is Daniel Brühl, comes and tries to sort of chatter up. You know, glad you're doing a German night, thanks. Now, um, it's like, she's like, I didn't have a choice doing a German night. The thing I would say is that, surely, the most of the Nazis in this area, this isn't Vichy France, this is the rest, this is other Paris, parts of France. Paris. She's in Paris. Surely they knew, they knew that the French people that were there hated them. Yeah, but he's also like a, a narcissist now. Yeah, like I guess that's true. He, 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 he can't see the obvious. Him. So yes, he's a, um, we get this reveal a bit later, but he is a war hero for killing boys. He sniped like 300 American soldiers or something himself. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, like, like Leonidas, the fucking, um, <laughs> I might be wrong if it was Leonidas there. Like but, the um, Persians. And we'll point out, of, of all the war hero situations you've come up with, that one is terrible. Because the only time, because only one sniper ever has got 300 kills, and you don't get them all in the same go. So this guy claims that he gets 300 kills in a in a church tower over the course of three days, and in that entire three days of them He's knowing exactly where he was, no one just you know shot a tank gun at the tower or you know hit it with artillery. No, but he or... shot the tank guns out of the sky. Sniper. <laughs> <Yeah, clearly. laughs> um. Yeah, but he he is a hero, and he gets this this film actually made out of. Um, about his exploits, which will, will be very, very relevant later. They actually discuss, he says, oh, thank you for showing, thank you for saying Reifenstahl. Reifenstahl was a real director of Nazi propaganda. Thank you for showing um, Rubst, Pabst, I think, who was a, yeah, not a, necessarily a director of German propaganda. He was a, a, a Weimar era director mainly. He asks for her name, but she like responds by giving him her papers, which is both sort of like a fuck off thing, but also like, a, I'm terrified there's a Nazi asking me things, thinking I'm the last survivor of a Jewish family. Um, yeah. Thing. Well, it's 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 showing the power dynamic that is there when he thinks. It's uh, but he doesn't charming. seem to be yeah. aware. Like it's, he it's... doesn't see. He seems to not understand that he's has a power over her. Um, but so he then sees her the next morning. She's in like a bar, and this is really, he knocks on the window because this is what all like creepy men who keep trying to chat people up do, and then they see them and they knock on the window and follow them in. She wants absolutely nothing to do with him, obviously. But he was like, I'm just trying to be friendly. And yeah, again, sure, a fair few women have heard that. So I'm just a yeah, nice it's, it's guy. Horrible. 
It's awkward. He is a nice guy. Um, not a nice guy. Um, he is a he is a, a nice he is a nice guy. TM is what he is. It's it's awkward <laughs> and upsetting. Do they just talk in French? Are they talking? I mean, they, it swaps between French and German because he's also no, it's, talking it's, to like, other. The, the scene is subtitled when in French. Yeah, but whenever he's speaking in German, it's not. It's not subtitled, so you don't know what's going on. It's not that. Re- it's not that relevant. What the, I I got the gist of most of the German in that scene, and they weren't saying anything. Yeah, it was. Much. Hey, you're that cool guy I like. Basically, I'm. I'd be this really famous war hero because of the stuff I've done. My exploits are going to be in uh, a, a fake because this movie isn't real. Uh, made by Goebbels. I didn't realise that Goebbels was like that directly. Inv- I didn't realise he was like the director. Yeah. He was like what said what films were going to happen. There's he can he did uh, he directed plays. He uh, he got involved in. He was a like, doctor. I didn't know he was a doctor. Was he a doctor? He's a doctor philosopher. Yeah, he's a doctor. Oh, philosopher. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. They call him Doctor Goebbels in the movie as well. Nineteen twenty-one. I want to say I, I looked it up. You learn things from these Tarantino yeah. movies. Um, but yes, this movie's called Nation's Pride. Zola or Goebbels, sorry, thinks it's going to be a masterpiece, and he's basically convinced Zola to play himself because he seems sort of at least personable a lot of the time. You kind of you're lulled into a false sense of security. I think with this character. And then you get the spike back of, oh, yeah, so I, I decided to play myself. You know, I'm just going to be a masterpiece. And I, I'm really great for going down those people. You, get, you find out it's not quite that later, but still. Mm. He's almost charming. He's almost. Yeah. Well, he's not almost when he's talking to her, because he is stalking her. Yeah. Like, you almost feel sorry for him. And then you realize, actually, no, he is just a propaganda He piece. plays modesty. And then when, he, when he's actually directly asked about what he does, he then, like, draws it out into a story yeah. again. He claims to be like upset by it, or he's not proud of it, or whatever. But then, when he is actually directly asked, he is really proud of it. We then cut right, and we see Dreyfus up up ladder doing the film letters again. We and we see this is the first shot we see of Marcel, who's the um, he's the he's the uh, he, he's the projectionist. He's a projectionist. Um, he's, he's black. She calls him my love, but I I, I know you don't realize properly that that's definite. Like they are. There are a couple until later, and it's really nice. I mean, it's not, it's a horrible, sad movie saying Nazi-occupied fans. So it's not that nice, but it's it's people finding people who are ostracised by this society finding love together in something that's a shared passion. Um, mm. This cinema, like you can imagine, the French film set during Nazi-occupied France about the the love of these two people and their eventual death as a yeah. separate film. Yes. That is the that's what's so good about it is it's almost this it's Inglorious Bastards is basically made up of like four films that are and you don't see all of them you just see together how they and you just see snippets of each of them and it's all glued together with the bastards for me <laughs> with the bastards um for me a better film and I like I like this film a lot I should say a better film though a better ending is I want Marcel to survive and go on to like make a make that he film. does no he doesn't he dies in the cinema explosion doesn't he uh no he, oh. he literally lit it on fire and then he walks out oh i missed that okay in which case that film he this goes through gone up even more door, we'll get to that later he, there's no good. way that he dies unless he's an good idiot. well that's that's good then because that's great because then he gets to almost gets to survive and i like the idea that this is actually he made inglorious bastards <laughs> marcel <laughs> i saw this. that very like... heroic italian man in the lobby yeah. saying buongiorno <laughs> <laughs> It's a and film about him. He was a hero. I made the 1978 film, Inglorious Bastards. Um, <laughs> um, no, so a car pulls up um, as Dreyfus on the ladder, and SS officers get out, and they ask her to come with them. And at first, I, I thought one of them was Bad Pitt. 
I was like, oh, they're, they're recruiting her. I, I, I clearly cannot see faces because it's not. Instead, <laughs> they're taking her to a restaurant where they see uh, where Joseph Goebbels is there uh, being racist about black people, you know, as you might expect from Joseph Goebbels. It's a little bit late for him to still be sour over the Olympics, though. He's complaining in the scene. He's specifically complaining about the fact that he claims that the Americans are only good in athletics because of uh, because of all the blood of the slaves. He says the blood and sweat of slaves basically yes. gives America all their Olympic medals. But this is like eight. This is like eight years after the Olympics okay. at this point, and he's still sour about it. I've got two points of that. Do you think the Nazis weren't petty? Just <laughs> counterpoint. Yeah. No, more specifically, do you think Goebbels wasn't petty? Also, do you think Hitler yeah, but aren't there bigger petty? concerns at this point? Like not the American athletes, but like the several hundred thousand American soldiers currently moving inland into France. He's talking to his mates, though, isn't he? I don't. I mean, it's Nazi logic, right? It doesn't make sense. It's like, yes, they are. In, they're only doing well because the, they're black people are are physically superior to us, aren't they? Inferior. It's like <laughs> what. Don't need, to, don't need to explain that Nazism doesn't make any sense, but, you know, um, very weird. Um, just no, in case. Just in case, yeah. I mean, I think I've made my position quite clear. Uh, you guys just want to double check? <laughs> Is this the point where we go, and I, I would like to also disavow Nazism in all the different <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think, yes. <laughs> It's like, I just want to check on the same page here. <laughs> this this takes let's us take to an interesting check point. On the, on the, uh, let's, let's, let's take a rain check here, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Finn reveals his, his deliberate forehead swastika tattoo. <laughs> and his floppy hair. Um, no, but basically, so Zola is already there at this banquet, this, this lunch of Goebbels, and he's quote-unquote invited Dreyfus. It's not clear whether or not he definitely made them go and get her, whether or not he said, can you go, you know, please go get her. And they took that as you will come with us. It then cuts to Goebbels fucking for no reason. Well, it's, 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 it says that she's his translator. Yeah. Right. the inter- she, looks his wife? In, she looks into the, no, she's not his wife. That's the oh. point. She looks into the eyes of the interpreter no, and the interpreter like looks at her in a way that communicates to her that actually, she's not an interpreter really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She, so Dreyfus well, doesn't have magic powers where she can see affairs. No, I mean, if I mean, she might do that. May that's why she'd be such a good member of, of <laughs> the Bastards. Bastards because she could see. Uh, her that's her power. Jack might be aware of this. That was a thing they used to when what some of the sort of types of propaganda that the Allies would send would be like reports of like, oh, while the soldiers oh, yeah, are all away, all your wives are having affairs, and like there was yeah, that's one pretty common propaganda for it. Might it? have been World War One or World War Two, but there was a German commander who they successfully convinced his wife was having an affair, and he fucked off and went back home. I like the idea <laughs> that the, the propaganda said, you, yes, you, your wife is having an affair. And he was like, me? That's me! They, they had some messages that he, he, like, fake messages that they deliberately had him intercept. Okay, we're turning back round. Uh, we we had a wonderful night with... Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> with uh, your wife? Mrs. Stoltz, and uh, just want to say, <laughs> good time. Mrs. Stoltz and like 1,400 <laughs> Germans are like, what? Like... <laughs> Uh, Baron Zemo, though, he's there to... He's basically whining and dining her, and he thinks she'll be... This is, again, how oblivious he is. He thinks she'll be... This woman who clearly hates the Nazis thinks she'll be impressed by Goebbels. Um, but, but look um, how good a Nazi I am. And obviously, we know what she's been through. And obviously, it gets worse for her later in the scene, but to sit opposite Goebbels, it's just, just awful. Um, yeah, it's a little bit of an awkward scene. Yeah. <laughs> Especially because Goebbels is just, like, 
bantering back and forth with Zara at this point. Yeah. He's like mentoring him. He's sort of almost faux annoyed at him. He's just, oh, you know, he's just been he's been telling me all about your theatre and it's really annoying to hear about this. He wants my the film premiered there. I don't know about that, you know. And and there's a poodle, it cuts to a poodle that's sitting in a chair next to them as well. That's weird. Um I'm not sure if that's accurate. I have no idea what dogs Goebbels uh, owned. Well that's no I think it's the interpreter's dog. Uh, Why has she like, got a dog with her? She's basically just his French girlfriend, right? And so and so, so she she's wearing this, like she's wearing the, the incredibly ugly cheetah skin dress with matching hat, <laughs> and has a little lap dog, uh, because she's dating the second most powerful person in Nazi occupied France. Good for good for you. It's what your mother always wanted. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so. Zola is sort of trying to convince Goebbels by saying to him, with sort of something Goebbels loves, German nationalism. Yeah, so if you go into a smaller cinema, it can be really exclusive and just for the German people. None of these French people. No, no, no. Just for the Germans as it should be. But yeah, Goebbels is basically says to her, you've got to close for one night um, so I can check out your cinema with a private viewing. And then... It's just tonight. It's an immediate. It's like, you're you're close tonight. I'm going to come and but that's already that's already pretty 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 scary. But then it pan- it immediately pans up and Lando is behind her. Oh, and the music when it when she, turn, when she yeah. turns when she turns out and sees Lando. He's, he's just him. he's just there. He's just there. You don't, it's, you, just this, you don't... it's just this intimidating drum beat. Incredible! Uh, it's just incredible. And it turns out he's running security for the event. And there's like, hi, I'm Franz Lando. I'd be running security for the event. And it is, I mean, it is terrifying. And that's direction as well as Christoph Waltz. Again, you've got to give it to Tarantino yeah. for that shot because fuck me, it's amazing. And just. Just the the scripting as well as so, like all the 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 specificity about the about the strudel. Like wait 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 for the cream. Oh, I forgot the cream. Obviously, you want cream, right? You a dairy maid want cream. Well, he orders her a glass of milk. So that's yeah, that's he gets an espresso, but he orders her milk specifically. You guys, I mean, we're going non-linear as is Tarantino's position, but essentially he needs to just talk with her some specifics about how security will be run. Before that happens, by the way, he's talking to the others. He's talking to like Goebbels stuff, and all it does is just zoom on her face for the whole time, her terrified but holding it together face. It's incredible. Well, also she's just like tuned out. She's not listening anymore. But as she, but then she starts to see again. She goes back in when he offers her a glass of milk, and that's. As you he, say. he doesn't offer. He orders for her like a child. He yeah. literally he orders his coffee and then he says, "And for the Mademoiselle, uh, a glass, uh, a of, glass milk. of milk." And then she gives him this look like, "What the fuck?" And he keeps referring to Dave for it's like he's saying he gets cream um, for her, for their strudel that they have, and it is just terrifying because, as you say, she is the daughter of uh, she's from a milk uh, farming family. That's not the right expression, but I'm gonna stick with it. Um, milk farming, <laughs> milk mining. That's what they call it. <laughs> We use this rock till you get milk out of it. I've not got any yet, but I'll keep trying. What's amazing about this is the fact that, as you say, you know, we think and she think, or we're not sure, does he know who she is? <laughs> or does he really just fucking love milk? <laughs> well, he, well, he doesn't have the milk, though. He has the cream. He has the cream. He loves dairy products. Uh, but yeah, it's a really amazing scene. Christoph Waltz stealing the show, as he does. He's... He legit steals the whole entire movie, in my opinion. He's just, oh yeah, no, I think you'd be hard-pressed to disagree with that, surely. I mean, he steals the majority of the dialogue in the scene as well. She's basically doing everything possible not to speak, and he's basically uh, belittling her. And he, whenever there's like a, a too long a pause, he will then go back. Oh, so you were telling me how? And so she hasn't. She hasn't actually opened her mouth yet. She gets about two words in in the whole scene. I watched the interview with Tarantino, and he wrote *Inglorious Bastards* quite a lot before he made it. I know. And the reason saying. he didn't make it 
was because he was struggling to he created this character Lambda. Lambda, and he had no he had no one in mind to to play it because wasn't the like character Christoph Waltz like the very last like a like a last minute casting decision? Yeah, like, it was. He was, it was basically he needed that to do the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, yeah. The, the, and and the film is about him. He is just you know the driving force for everything that happens. Yeah, yeah. Or he becomes the driving force. Yeah, when he shouldn't. He be. takes over. Yeah. They have this discussion. He says, yeah, the protectionist, um, they're black. Goebbels went like that. <laughs> oh, no shit. Goebbels went like that. So you'll have to do it. And that's when it becomes clear. That is, I think, for me, the moment it becomes clear that he doesn't know who she is. No, given what you find out later, I don't think he really cares. I don't think he is a actually somebody who hates Jewish people specifically. I think he hates or he's he just, just does whatever amoral. he needs to he's, do. He's until... completely amoral. He doesn't care. Yeah. I don't at this point in the movie when I was watching it, I didn't think that, but by the end I did agree. I did I do that, yes. I think he has he's not a Nazi, he's he is an opportunist. Yeah. And Yeah, that's what I kind it's, of gathered. It's later as well. in the movie where he starts talking about himself. This is what sort of the first scene where he says he liked being called the Jew Hunter. I didn't get it from that, but later he calls himself like the I'm a detective. That's yeah, later he complains about the And he complains about the nickname and that's when I agree yeah. I, that's when I was like, yeah. Oh no, well, also he just he just he just doesn't care. He just does stuff. For whatever he does, he does it because he likes doing it, and it's yeah. not necessarily because of who's involved. It's because he's a psychopath. Yeah, basically. Um, but that makes him scarier. I think they start smoking, and then he ends the conversation by stubbing a cigarette in Strudel and then leaving. I should say on the IMDb it said director trademark smoking, um, and I was like, shut up! Lots of fucking smoking in every. It all I mean, Tarantino does like Wait, his director trademark smoking. That's what it said. What? These people, well, remember, it's not being written by anyone who knows what they're talking about, these IMDb pages. It's written Is that actually written by Quentin Tarantino? Oh, well, the, maybe the feet entries. Um, but yes, yeah, so he... there weren't no images of feet. Oh, no, there was. Yes, there was. No, no, I yes, forgot the foot There were enough feet in this movie. She's barefoot when she's running out of the farmhouse for a start. Um, well, that's understandable. <laughs> that's more logical. Mean, to be fair, they're both very logical. They're both actually, you know, constructive, plot driven. Foot moment. Mm. <laughs> foot, plot driven foot moment is what Quentin Tarantino's band will be called. Plot called. driven <laughs> foot vignettes. We're going to refer to them as foot vignettes now. And on to foot scene four. Um, <laughs> no, so, <laughs> Goebbels, so she starts to hide fence tonight as he leaves. And it cuts and it cuts to Goebbels leaving the cinema. They've seen the film. They've looked at the cinema. He's sort of saying, yeah, I'll, I'll probably, yeah, we'll do it. You know, we'll have to do this and that. But yeah, we'll do it. And then it's sort of you see Dreyfus talking to Marcel and basically they agree, they plan, they're going to burn the cinema down with these Nazis inside and they're going to make a, make a movie as well for it, which we'll find out later is to show as the Nazis are burning. I, I did write, I hope that movie's called Inglorious Bastards and features Brad Pitt. Um, now we also see Boris, we see a Samuel L. Jackson narrated thing again, just a little thing, explaining explaining how like, flammable nitrate film is. It's nice to have a little science lesson in this, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's it's such a, a strange non sequitur because all it the other it. ones are like highly stylized for A-team mm. vibes. Whereas this one's just... This one is just, here's a bit of nice historical fact. <laughs> Chapter four. This is where we're introduced to a young Michael Fassbender who, we, I mean, Winston Churchill doesn't talk very much, but he is meeting Winston Churchill and getting a briefing. I would say so this character's called Archie Hickox. Now... Michael Fassbender was not the original casting for this role. The original casting for this role was Simon Pegg, who Ooh, pulled out the, the Adventures of Tintin. The Adventures of Tintin, amazing. Movie. I mean, that's an amazing film. So good. Inc- Scripted by Stephen Moffat, Joel Cornish, it- and someone else. Edgar Wright. Three of the best comic, comic funny writers in the country. 
Like, it's it's Daniel Craig's best performance in anything. Is in who is he? Tintin. Is he? He's the bad guy. He's the and you. He's unrecognizable. That's why he's his best performance. This is a good movie, Tintin movie. But I will say, this movie in Ghost Bastards, Simon Pegg. I love Simon Pegg. This is a worse movie with he Simon would, Pegg. Yeah, he would not have fit the brawl yeah. for that. He, he, he would have been I mean, a decent pick for, for his high-ranking officer who was played yeah, by uh, Mike been, Myers. Yeah, it's it Mike Myers. Oh. funny. Uh, yeah, yeah. But it, but yeah it, I mean, he would have been, he wouldn't have, you know, he's Simon Pegg, he's a good actor. I, I just Mike don't Fassbender think he would have fit as well, scene. yeah, as Michael He's in like two scenes in the film yeah. and his performances stand out. You got, it's got to be Michael Fassbender, surely. <laughs> he's socially distancing from a general, I wrote here, because they're all about like four metres away from yeah, each other. Yeah, there's just three men in this room the size of a gymnasium. Get yourself a drink, be a Jan, get yourself a drink. It's about as close as British people are comfortable being to each other. Anyway. Well, any closer and it's gay. Uh... <laughs> also, I like the fact that they're testing his alias and that they, they put all this effort into making sure that he is the most well-versed on the German film industry yeah, yeah, that he yeah. could possibly be. German. They just skip over the fact that he can't have seen any movie in the last three years. They're having there's a plot brewing using German cinema. Operation Kino. I wrote it like Keanu Reeves, and then it's Kino. K-I-N-O. My Call of Duty sweat, uh, uh, like like a fucking idiot brain, also like just kept on thinking about Kino der Toten, which is a famous zombies map. Yeah, yeah. It's a uh, it's it's a Berlin uh, theater. Oh right. Oh, that makes okay. Yeah. There's gonna be there's probably a connection there then. Um, and then the op is revealed. Archie and the bastards with the assistant. Churchill's only words in the entire movie. Brief him. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I think the depiction of Churchill is pretty good, to be fair. Not like, drunk enough. Should be like, more drunk. He looks pretty drunk. Needs to be more alcohol addled. <laughs> for, for viewers that are not aware, Church- Churchill spent almost every waking hour in a state of low-level drunkenness yeah, because yeah. he would drink uh, incredibly watered-down whiskey and sodas um, pretty much about a dozen a day, and in between those, he would drink a bottle, an entire bottle of champagne a day, and like half a bottle of port in the evening. I think Boris Johnson does that too. <laughs> He's an alcoholic. He's just a functioning... Oh no, he was an alcoholic. I yeah, basically alcoholic. He also slept for like four hours in the middle of every day, but didn't sleep much at night. Do you know that when Churchill visited the US, he got hit by it was during probation. He got hit by a car, and his doctors were able to prescribe him like alcohol. Because he was like, I need this for my recovery. Don't mean prohibition, not probation. Joe prohibition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just have probation, not prohibition. The doctor, I need it. <laughs> uh, that bit of SpongeBob where he gets fired, he's like, I need it. <laughs> yeah, so they're going to have this and they're going to be assisted by a double agent who's the German film actress. Um, I can't remember her first name, last name, Von Hammersmark. Bridget Von Hammersmark. Von Hammersmark. Bridget Von Hammersmark. She's not a double agent. She's just an insider. To be a Single double agent, she'd have to actually be spying yeah. for the Germans listen, as well. Listen, Jack, don't expect my notes to be comprehensive. It was very late when I was watching this and I had my second vaccine. As noticed by the fact I didn't notice I was watching the wrong movie for 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, anyway, so they their plan is that they're going to blow up the cinema with most of Nazi High Command in it. Most of, they don't then, and then later they find out that Hitler's also going to be there. So, all of Nazi High Command. And then we get a cut. Bastards and the Hickoks are already at the rendezvous. But they're chatting about how it'd be bad to fight in a basement, you know. Um, yeah, they're like, what the hell is this rendezvous? Why is it in a basement with only one way in and one way out? Yeah. Like, this is an awful place. <laughs> it would be a general to know that fighting in a basement is bad. It, it, it just stinks of a trap. It's like a really cosy basement bar. Haha, <laughs> you've activated my trap card. Tavern in Nazi Germany. <laughs> Tavern in Nazi occupied France. Yeah, they're still in France. They're still in France. Haha, <laughs> uh, you geek, but I've activated my spell card. Teleport is to France. <laughs> so guys you didn't let me get to the end of my joke 
No, so it cuts to the tavern, and this is this was I didn't expect this. So the actress and loads of Nazi soldiers play, and some not Nazi soldiers as well, Germans uh, are playing heads up with the card stuck on your head, and you have to guess who you are. I didn't know that game was that old. The SS come in, except it's not the SS; it's the disguised bastards. They order whiskey, which means they've been speaking to Jack. Um, or Jack's been speaking to them. So the bastards discuss the plan with um, with uh, Brid- Bridget, and yeah. but then the sort of the newly dad Nazi uh, he comes over the soldier and asks for an autograph from the actress. They then sort of have a toast, and it splashes Hickox, yeah. and he he then goes he then goes straight for Amdram SS time, which I thought was well, really yeah. But cool. the guy the guy literally won't go away. Like every yeah. time they tried to shooing this guy away, like you've had your autograph, you've had your bit of flirting, go on. He just keeps coming back and asking her more questions, like what are you doing around this part, whatever. So yeah, Hickox just goes into okay. Well, this, we can't actually discuss the plan while these drunken idiots are being annoying. So he pulls the rank card and basically goes like. Uh, Get get the hell away! This is an officer's table. You've had your fun. That's more than enough. Now get back to your own lot. But but that doesn't go well, does it, Jack? Well, it doesn't go well because it, because uh, Hickox's accent is not amazing, yeah. and, um, and the very drunk Nazi, even notices. a very drunk uh, foot soldier, picks up that his accent's not great, and uh, it's like, hey, you sound a little bit strange. So the so Stiglitz pulls the rank card again, and basically, says, are you out of your mind? You're questioning an officer, or whatever. Do you want a court martial? But then. Uh, a real Nazi walks in. It's the Gestapo guy. So there was another guy at the restaurant with Goebbels before, and that was this guy, right? Hugo. In the world of Quentin Tarantino, the there are only Gestapo. like five SS <laughs> five guys Nazis. in the whole of France. <laughs> so when, when when he talks about how the fact that he likes to keep track of every important German in occupied France, in this universe, that isn't difficult because there's only like five of them. Yeah, but yeah, um, they he. This is a really long scene. This bar scene. This is sort of almost this is my own scene, vignette. Maybe. I felt a bit bored, but I also think it's a great scene. No, I, I, oh, I, yeah, this one's, this one's, um, I'd say it's like almost on par with the first scene. I, I genuinely prefer it, which is weird because, like, because obviously, um, Christoph Waltz steals the show for most of the movie, but the one scene he's not in is my favourite. The most of the scene, isn't it, now, is this German officer sits down and he's just basically questioning them, trying to get one over on them, trying to catch them out, but they're, they're, is he convincing I them? I find him Are, much more not? intimidating than Lander in any scene, this guy. He has yeah, the Jack, I mean, he, he is has, directly intimidating. He, he has the Jack Nicholson Joker kind of smile, like almost like uh, scars at the edge of his mouth. Um, but my point about the alcohol earlier, he hasn't touched his beer the whole time. He carries it around, but he never drinks from it in the scene. So everyone else is getting pissed out of their heads with mm. uh, whiskey and schnapps. And he's got sitting there with a single beer that he's presumably been nursing in the corner the whole time. And he doesn't drink from it. He's left it pretty much untouched. So he is sharp. He's the whole time. Like, yeah. He knows the other two. He knows um, both the members of the Bastards. He knows their officer aliases. He calls oh, them right. out by specific name and then says, but I don't I know Captain Watts' I see. Okay. So, wow. even, so even though they're members of the Bastards, he actually knows exactly what their alias is in the SS. That's really cool. He, he knows them by name. It's it's like this. It's like a friendly drinking conversation and an interrogation at the same time, which is very cool. And then he goes to they. He wants to play heads up, and he goes. He says he just I want to play a game, which did get. I got a little bit of sore vibes. Um, he but then notice goes. He goes first. Or he says I go first, and he gets them all yeah. to drink when he wins. To say he, he is trying power. to get them to slip, and he is staying completely sober. I, I will say I love that he goes and forcibly takes the cards off the <laughs> the other people playing the game. Paul's right. I love that. Yeah, I love that. He then Nazi explains the rules. And we actually see, so Stiglitz gets like a flashback. (laughs) You know, you you say what you say. Um, 
you get a flashback to Stiglitz getting whipped, I think. Um, because yeah. he's sitting in proximity to a Nazi. It's like, Officer, therefore, the, like the, the urge to kill is rising. Yeah. <laughs> it's to kill, rising. Like... Rising. So isn't there like, um, it should be like the Kill Bill. Um, bleh, now. Yeah. Bleh, it basically is every that. Every Nazi. Like... All of them. The stuff guy has King Kong. He, they're, they're explaining King Kong as if it's an allegory to slavery, which is what the Nazi, the guy who played him, said it was as well. Well, his first guess is that the st- his first guess before he says King Kong is that he says, um, am, "Am I the story of like the story of the slave trade?" And then go, and then they go, "No," and he goes, no, oh, "Well, then I must Kong. be King Kong." Yeah, but it's like it's like were you taken from your homeland um, or by from boat? the jungle on a boat in chains and then displayed in chains. The the way the logic of this guy's mind is based in his racism is it's not mm. like a yeah, separate is... part of him. It's actually how his mind functions. Yeah, yeah, he can't help but make make comments. But Hickox does something insane. He's an idiot. He tells the, the Gestapo that he's intruding. I mean, yeah, they play one wouldn't. round of the game, and then he acts like, uh, "Oh yeah, by the way, we're we're all really good friends, and you, you're kind of intruding all our all our night." No, what, I can't believe anyone would be that stupid. No, but you, you, no, that's actually not stupid. To be fair, it's it, they 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 need to get rid of him because the longer he's there. The harder it'll be. They should have made their excuses and left, though, rather than getting him to leave. The other thing is, it's not. It's a. It's a fear thing, right? It's like, okay, come on, you. You came over. You had your game. You, we. We gave you a story about why our accent's a little bit weird, and everything checked out. And we. Yeah. We, we just want to have our, our night with, with with the movie star, okay? Like that's a more reasonable answer for an SS captain to give to Mister Intruding Gestapo guy, rather than being nervous and just letting guy. him continue intruding the whole time. Yeah. Which yeah, it, they need to almost... they need to show confidence that they are who they say they are. The the, the Nazi oh, well the, the the Gestapo officer basically at first seems to be like oh fuck off and then he's like no just kidding of course I'm intruding let's, have a, let's just have a quick drink and I'll go and then um and this is this is the part why I know, you know, the scene obviously is built and built and built to this moment really which is very again yeah, at, this point, they, at this point they they're like yeah we've won we've sort sorted he's chill he's going to go away he's believed everything we've said because this is where he points pulls out his gun and points it at Hickox's. Balls. No, he why he does he do that, yet. David? It's, what you missed? You missed why he actually. Yeah, at this point, the guy is completely convinced. But then, when he says, "Let's have one more round of drinks," oh yes, because I, I didn't notice that. Explain this, then, guys. Hick- Hickox holds it. up his middle three fingers to ask for free glasses. So, the way they do middle, in, in English. Ring finger. And right. at that point, there's everything goes quiet. Like all the music cuts out, and the Gestapo is just staring at him intensely. And there's just it, it's just complete silence other than breathing while the glasses come round and they pour the scotch. And then the, the bartender goes back to the bar and then he goes, okay, and I've cut, cut the bull crap. Who are you really? Uh, oh, right. You've given yourself away. Because that's when he gets the gun the out of the Germans booth. don't culturally give that number three with their fingers. They do the thumb and the first two fingers. Right, so okay. he's given, it's like, it's like looking the wrong way before you cross the road. It's saying you're not yeah. from. I think I do it. Fum and thief. I think I do it. Which is actually how an agent got caught in World War Two. Like, yeah. First day, <laughs> almost got hit by a car. A lot of the German agents who were parachuted into the UK definitely. Some of them just didn't speak any English. Which you think <laughs> that, that is that, we know that. It's like, what the fuck were you possibly? What was your plan? Hello. Guten Tag. Ah, danke. But, but yeah, and, and this is the point where he does. He pulls his uh, his welfare. Yeah. He, puts he pulls it and, and the, it the revolver balls. at um, Hickox, who remains very calm for a man with threatened plums. And now they've all got pistols at each other's balls. This is what a German standoff is: is that all the 
the uh, guns are pointed aimed at balls. No, no, it's all the guns aimed at the Frankfurters. I was, I was pleased with that, but whatever. Um, uh, yeah, so basically, the major fair is if we start shooting, all those people, you know, they are going to die. Do you want Max, the son of Wilhelm, to grow up as an orphan? And do you know what? Hickox, even though what happens later happens, Hickox clearly doesn't want that to happen. No. Which is a good level, mid-level humanization for both for Hickox and a good showing of this Nazi who, even though he's inhuman, he understands human nature. Yeah. But yeah, Hickox just gives up the ghost. He's like, okay, jolly old chap. Well, if I'm, as, I'm, as I might be knocking at the, the door. Let's get the do you mind if I go out speaking the kings? He says, yeah, there's a special rung in hell for people who waste good scotch, which again, Jack quote. Uh, yeah, I, I like um, this guy for that. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you like this scene, really. Uh, <laughs> but then Stiglitz says, say I'll be the same to your Nazi balls, but not like old Schwarzenegger. And then the shooting starts. <laughs> he literally shoots his two balls individually. It's literally bang, and then he moves a bit. Bang. <laughs> like, and then for good measure, he then pulls a knife and proceeds to yeah, repeatedly stab it. They're shooting, they're stabbing. I think there might be some scalping. It's um, it's about 10 seconds, isn't it, this scene? Unless I think it's deliberate that you really don't know what's happening. Oh, it's yeah. Just, it's just yeah, yeah. Keep, there's so many quick cuts. So so you don't know who's it, dead it's and the who's one time the bastards are right in the sense that fighting in a basement sucks. Yes. But yeah, no, we get so now we've got one German left who's now talking to Brad Pitt who's outside. Uh, so yeah, all the bastards in this room are dead. Honestly, what surprises me most is how quickly a whole bunch of almost falling over drunk Germans yeah. grab their weapons and, and like fire, load and fire them. Yeah. They should have just kept drinking. If they'd been let to, allowed to keep playing heads up, they would have Yeah, if they'd held the standoff long enough, those guys would have fallen asleep and they could have just killed the <laughs> Gestapo guy and uh, left. Shh. Shh, we're going to stand off them to sleep. It takes I'm going to shoot your balls now. I don't want you to scream. <laughs> I'll put a silence, it puts a cushion over it to silence it. Um, yeah, so ba- he's talking to Brad Pitt outside and the last one's left is Wilhelm. And Von Hammersmark, he then learns, he then learns is alive as well. Yeah, she only got shot once. In the yes, leg. in the leg. Stig- I didn't expect Stiglitz and definitely not Hickox to just be gone from the movies like that, but they are. Yeah. I guess it's Tarantino. I- you forget Tarantino is willing to just kill people, don't you? Basically, the, the whole point is it's subverting the tropes of different cultures' mm. films about World War Two. So British films about World War Two are heroic spies doing what Michael Fassbender's characters do and getting away with it, and then getting on, getting away and it being like a happy ending or having a heroic near death and being like, "Oh, don't mind if I speak the kings," and then smoking a cigarette and having like a famous quote. But this is a really undignified. Yes. End. And it's deliberately so in the same way as the bastards. It's his fault. American soldiers behind enemy lines causing chaos, killing Nazis because that's the heroic thing to do. And actually, when you realise how many people they've killed in one of those films, they're not good people. Like... You know, they may be killing Nazis, but they, they're not good people. I think if there are any good people in this film, it's, it's Dreyf- the... Dreyfus and Marcel are the clo- yeah. closest you come well, that's, to good people in that's this film. The... Which is yeah, and I love how Dreyfus, they're the good people, but they are burning a bunch of people to death. Yes, but they're Nazis. <laughs> and, and they've got, like, those two, are, if anyone's got a reason to be, like... Yeah, there's the personal reason for her yeah. especially, and also it's the fact that you know, ultimately, you can't miss the chance yeah. to kill Hitler. <laughs> no, do you know what? We've all, we've all wondered, we've all wanted the chance. Hitler, and Hitler didn't. Do you know what? Hitler didn't miss the chance. 
He was given the chance and he took it. <laughs> Hitler's the only person who didn't screw up their chance to kill to Hitler. kill Hitler. But no, yeah, um, Aldo from up the stairs basically makes an offer, you know. We all put down our guns. We come down, we take her, we let you live. Um, do you trust but then, me? How, well, do you trust me? And he's like, how can I trust you? What choice you got, son? Which I just thought was such a brilliant line. The only way he gets out of this is by trusting them. That's the only, it's the only way he could possibly survive. But ultimately, he lets her go. He calls her a traitor. She gets out her gun and shoots him. Well, he knows that she's a spy. So she needs to kill him. There is no ending. They were never, yeah, they were never going to let him go. You guys think about these things and I don't. Um, <laughs> is the difference. We get to a vet. Aldo wants to know what's gone wrong, basically. Um, and he, she's well, on the table. they think she might have ratted them out. Yeah, so she's, he's like poking her bullet hole, uh, which is super gross, trying to get her to explain. You you see you see her feet in this scene, guys. Tarantino showed her feet <laughs> I think in he's scene. wearing off on you, David. <laughs> uh, sorry, guys, I had to go for a minute there. Did, um, did, I hope no one else came in and used my mic while I was gone. Um, it's a, again, it's a foot vignette. <laughs> this is the foot vignette. It's called the, the Vets Pedometrist. Um, <laughs> but no, yeah, so they're, they're basically ta- semi torturing her by poking her bullet hole, making her. It's you know, not semi torturing, get... that's just torture. torture. <laughs> well, I view, I view torture, you know, you need to have the right equipment. Yeah, yeah that's tor- real torture. You think of it as semi torture is just. Yeah, 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 exactly. Adre- pumping people with adrenaline. I've seen disenchantment. That guy treats his work seriously. Um. Uh oh, plans have been hampered because she can't walk and they can't speak. The last ones who are alive can't speak German. So that's not great. And what's even worse is she then reveals to them, quote unquote, good news, that Hitler's coming to the show, which does probably mean more security, but also means they could get Hitler, um, which is obviously quite greater big. Risk, so they, greater reward. They really got to get in. Um, so they, they, they're they like, we're going to dig the bull out of you. We're going to morphine you up. And put it in a cast. We're going to put it in a cast. We're gonna have, <laughs> say you fell down mountain climbing and then we're gonna that's what Germans do isn't it and then we're gonna have the Americans that are left speak really shit Italian which is all they can do one of them and I will say right they say the Brad Pitt says he can speak the most Italian he appears to be able to speak almost no Italian later in the movie he's like buongiorno grazie yeah but he does understand the Italian (laughs) being sent back so he keeps his accent. He keeps the American accent. He doesn't bother trying to do an Italian accent. Because she says, oh, the Germans don't have good ears for Italians. So you'll be fine. But he, you should at least make an effort. He just goes, buongiorno. No, Finn, you've got to do this one. Buongiorno. That's the best I can do right now. Oh, but, of course. Um... That, was, that was pretty good. That sounded good. Um, so we cut to Lander looking at dead the dead Hugo in the bar. Oh, the way she um, says his name is kind of cute. Goes, oh, 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 Hugo. Hugo. Oh, You're moving no. up in the world. <laughs> we get conf- I was about to start. To, I was about to keep going in like my shit German accent. <laughs> we get confirmation. <laughs> no, we get confirmation of the dead bastards. And Lander then tries to work out. He's sort of trying to work out what's happening. And he finds von Hammersmark's shoe. And the autograph napkin. So that's where you know, he knows. Okay, Bridget von Hammersmark really involved in this. It appears someone's missing. Someone fashionable. <laughs> yeah, he's being again. It's just it's just Christoph Waltz being sort of charismatic evil. Um, I want to say <laughs> this is why I didn't understand. This is what the subtitle said, guys. Chapter five: Revenge of the Giant Face. Did you see that? My subtitle said that. I did I, not see that. I, I don't know what that means. Yeah, that's... I don't, know, I don't know what it's referring to. Well, I know what it's referring to. Is it referring to her doing the 
Yeah. Doing doing the video, but I don't think that's in the isn't that another chapter? Maybe it's no, no chapter five. It's five chapters. Okay. In which case, oh right, in which case, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so we then cut. So we cut to a slow zoom holding shot on Dreyfus as she kind of looks out this window that's framed on the outside by swastikas in her cinema. You know, the premiere is about to start, and that's pretty powerful. Just Jewish woman looking out at these swastikas framing her building, knowing she's gonna have to go down there and make make nice essentially. But it's worth pointing out, like we got the. Um she's been reframed the whole time she's basically been playing uh, a victim character and at this point she's dressed all in red which is pretty much like women dressed in, yes. in red in movies usually mean something nefarious is up she's getting all her makeup done all perfectly with the swastikas in the background and it's playing um david bowie uh, putting out the fire in the background because it's like this is the point where she goes from being the victim to i'm gonna kill like 300 nazis in one go when she puts on her blusher it's like war oh, yeah, paint. she puts on like war paint. Yeah. yeah, it's like war paint. So it's de- yeah, it's like totally that. Like the makeup scene is like her prepping for war. This is sort of intercut with her and Marcel making the film, violently getting it developed. Yeah, like... they basically have to uh, beat the crap out of someone who has the skills to to, to produce it yeah. for them. But yeah, with this, I, I put rock music. But no, yeah, David Bowie. It's an amazing. It, it did is, remind me of yeah. Jackie Brown actually. Did you guys get that vibes? Kind yeah, of like... certainly more like traditional. I got very different vibes because the same song is played in Atomic Blonde. So, oh, is I, it? I haven't seen that. Oh, movie. Yeah. Okay, that's another Check reason. Check out the soundtrack Blonde. of that movie. I still haven't. I still haven't watched it. I know. I'm gonna love the soundtrack. I already do. The mo- The movie is a seven out of ten, but the soundtrack's a ten. I watched Tron Legacy. I've watched that <laughs> multiple times. <laughs> yeah, that's watched... like a six out of ten, where the soundtrack's ten. <laughs> yeah. True. <laughs> Yeah, just like this movie. Two out of ten. But that one Bowie song. Uh, one Bowie song, <laughs> ten out of ten. Um, so this is shot from above then. It's an amazing shot. She leaves this room and it shoot, you see her entering the foyer from above. It's filled with Nazis. It then spot, She spots Goering, who gets like a label. Again, like Tantia likes to just occasionally put words on the screen. Uh, director trademark. It didn't say on IMDb, but it should have done. Just random fucking floating text. So she's got the same condition as um, <laughs> Mia from Pulp Fiction, clearly. Um, but she goes over to Zola because I guess she knows she has to. He's gonna get her. He's gonna come find her eventually. And he introduces her to Emil Jennings, who's Jennings, who's an actor. He calls him the um, sort of the greatest actor in the world. This guy was real, um, and indeed he was the first ever recipient of the oscar for best actor and the only german to ever receive it but that was before before the war then he did a load of nazi propaganda films and that was his post-war career over no more he didn't get to have post-war career that was it um good uh it then said on imdb director trademark threesome what? What? What the fuck? What? Okay, so, so apparently, according to this 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 thing, he was like, Quinto T likes to have three characters dressed identically in the backgrounds of scenes, and I, I'm and according to this one, it was something about. I mean, give me a second because I can find it. Um, don't just call it a threesome as well, but um. It Unless Tarantino crazy. specifically called that in yeah, two okay. interviews. This, well, this is what I thought it was, right? It's not. It's just people bullshitting. Uh, in this film. And this is why I thought I can't be a member of this, right? I have to look it up. It is three German schoolgirls in identical uniforms. Oh, uh, yeah, mean, they're in, like, you know the, what? They're in the you're... girls' version of the Hitler Youth uniform. Oh, uh, well, there's some in there. Yeah. Right. A trademark is apparently that Quentin Tarantino likes to have three people wearing identical clothes in the background. 
once in a movie. I mean, <laughs> who the fuck knows? Um, <laughs> just some weird guys in this here. It's insane. I've never noticed that in any of his other movies. No, I love the IMDb trivia, don't you? Can you, can you like, is there a way to like search threesome on IMDb to find no, Tarantino movies? I'm not searching that. threesome on IMDb. This, you can do that. You can do I'm that for the next mini-sode, Finn. What happens when Finn searched threesome <laughs> on IMDb? I mean, that, we can do a spin-off podcast, what happens when, <laughs> and then it's Finn does something stupid. So, uh, this is Bowie. So we see this, this whatever it is in the background, as the camera pans to Lambda on the upper balcony. He comes downstairs and he greets Von Hammersmark and the three bastards. And it, we now know he knows something's going on. So we get the same tension again that you get whenever Christoph Waltz is in a scene. The camera pans around them as she as he sort of asks her questions. She's like, oh, I hurt my leg mountain climbing. Um, and he knows it's bullshit. And he starts laughing so hysterically. None of the other Nazis react, only the masters. It is I, I just don't think I just don't think his character was expecting to hear that statement, which is why that he was excuse, laughing. Okay. Yeah. I think it makes sense, but you it's so that excuse. Odd. It's so it, I found it disturbing. It is. Like it's so weird. But it's the uh, fact it's that he is so powerful that he can do that in good company and he like he's it's, almost it's, it's his way of telling her that she's fucked yeah i think that's a choice from christoph waltz though not from yeah Tarantino. i think so too well it's same for the the way he he the way he points for her to put her foot on his lap oh let like me get he, to that that i've got a whole it's thing really, about it's that, really specific yeah, yeah, yeah. the way he points <laughs> and it's really oh he's great Okay, so she then introduces these three Italian filmmakers, um, and Lambda <laughs> immediately speaks perfect Italian. Because of course he does. And really quickly as well. Yeah, like... yeah. And this is where we get Finn's impression coming to play, because Brad Pitt then speaks a little bit of Italian. Basically Buongiorno. one word. Buongiorno. But in, like, no accent. Just so funny <laughs> and crap and, and brilliant. And it briefly then pans back to Dreyfus um, as more and more people come into the cinema with some sick guitar riffs going and then we have more floating words that point out more Nazis again I swear that's the second time it's when it's when the bastards are walking in and they're like looking around oh, and being like oh, oh damn there are more, I think that's even more words actually later okay, then. okay I think so that's a third batch that might be of even words. more words possibly a third word batch well fourth if you count Stiglitz is the one at the start that's true um, and fifth, if you count the Star Wars opening text crawl, which isn't in this movie. Anyway, we cut to Marcel in the projection room, and then Dreyfus comes in, they discuss the plan in terms of they're going to shoot this film, they're going to lock the Nazis in. And burn the place down. Yeah, exactly, but then it cuts back, it's sort of intercutting back to the bastards, uh, to our Italian friends. It like shows in like a box out, pop out, the explosives they got strapped to their legs. It's basically going... Look at these two separate plans do the same thing. Neither of them know about each other. Either ev- it's going to either cancel each other out or everything's going to go catastrophically well. Which I think catastrophically well is the best way of putting it. Fire and explosions. Shoshana and Marcel's plan is basically set the place on fire, laugh at them and leave. Meanwhile, the bastards, and presumably the original part of Operation Kino, involves suicide bombing. Yeah, That's I was going to say incredibly uncharacteristic of, of the allies on the legs. I I sort of feel well, like I don't maybe I don't know if it's necessarily suicide. I think because that's just a way of smuggling the bombs in. But they do suicide yeah, they at have, the end. They, they don't no take them plan. off. They they never take that's them true, off. That's true. Yeah. So why don't they take that's that? I mean, that feels like it must be suicide because they don't take them off. Um, I think it's to, it's to amp up the the psych, psycho, psychopathy of them, though, isn't it? It's it's you know they are well, they yeah. are getting these guys they are committed. Even if they have to blow themselves like, off their whole legs point is first. To be able to, their whole point is to be able to kill the high command, right? Yeah. 
So once they're inside, they don't need to blow themselves up. They could literally just pull a gun and fucking shoot them. They don't need to do a suicide bombing for this. Yeah, now, I, I, I get why Shoshana down. and Marseille, Marseille they, they want to Marseille. burn the place down and kill as many people as possible because yeah. it's a Their plan makes thing. total sense. But, their the, plan, whole, but the whole Operation Kino plan, plan is, is better. End, Operation yeah. Kino is end the war by killing the high command, not commit a terror attack. It doesn't make sense to me why they plan this as a suicide bombing. There's literally no reason that they would need to do that. I mean, as Hans Lander proves after this, you'll, you'll see. We'll get to that. I don't know then. Yeah, I, I agree. That is weird. But I guess it just serves to almost heighten the film and heighten the style they're going for is that everything is an absolute. This is an absolute. It's not let's sneakily get a bomb in there. It's we're going to go in with bomb straps and we've got machine guns as well. It's just stupid. <laughs> I know, but it, it feels, I think it feels, it fits. It's in character it's, with it's, them, it's, yeah. It's in character, I guess, yeah. These scenes are always traumatizing because of Waltz because he takes her aside. He takes von Hammersmark aside to his to uh Davis's office and this is where he says let me let me see your foot put your foot on my lap and he like taps yeah he like he sort of he does like a full motion where he points down points down yeah yeah Yeah, i was like quinton no we were doing so well tarantino (laughs) has to have his foot scenes he slowly takes off her shoe slowly slowly with a zoom on it and oh for fuck's sake and it, honestly i've never seen anyone take off a shoe in such a creepy way and i've had some terrible experiences at clark's let me tell you but um <laughs> the uh shoe he then has slipped he slipped her shoe that he found at the bar into her coat and he's like can you just take out what's in your coat pocket which is just incredible like it's chest I, I know i thought it's in his coat pocket yeah no i he think puts, it's in hers he puts his coat no he says he says could you get chair. me something out of my coat pocket Oh, I thought it was her car. She doesn't have a coat. She's in a ball gown. You see, I really clearly didn't pay attention to this movie. Um, (laughs) To be fair, me and Jack have watched it multiple times. Yeah. And you've watched this scene. You love this scene because of the feet. You've watched this this one again and again. So much. Just for the way he points at his knee. But yeah, so it's really creepy. She gets you out. It fits. He puts it on her. It fits. And then he jumps on her and strangles her on the floor. And to, and it is, and we also, by the way, it holds on her feet. Just to point out why she's getting strangled. Death feet. Great, great, Quinton. It's horrible. It's visceral. And it's the most he breaks facade in the entire film. It's really, it's grotesque the way, like, I feel like there is a theme of, like, him being, I don't know, because he sort of mentions the animals at the beginning. If you kind of look at him as sort of, Behaving like an animal, swooping on a. He's like swooping. Well, not even like a bird of prey, but like, like a rat. He does kill her, but it's not. He he is not even like that confident about it. You know, it's scrappy because she she like scrappy from from Scooby Doo. Yes. (laughs) What was that? What did you do to your mic then? Is that not what Scrappy does? Let me strangle her. Yeah, he does. <laughs> like Zoink Scoop, Scrappy's gonna strangle that girl. <laughs> I'm not burying another body, Scoop. <laughs> Maggie, get out the bubbles. <laughs> Ruh row. How do we always end up doing impressions? <laughs> We're going up for perjury. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Let's be honest, Scrappy is the new Coke of cartoon characters, and so will therefore <laughs> always be funny. But um, Lambda's killed Von Hammersmart. Um, he then makes a call. This is, so it goes from visceral to kind of funny, because he then makes a call, 
and calling out Aldo, who's in the foyer, who immediately gets tackled. Like, just straight away. In seconds, which is quite... It's pretty funny. And they get the bomb off him. And he's taken away ranting. Does he call them... Was it Bratwurst, Swilling Fascists and Jerry yeah, Banging he's... Limburgs? <laughs> really great. Really just, great, Brad Pitt. Angry. Like, random, super, super good. sort of semi-coherent insults. Yeah, Waltz is then with Aldo, so you don't have... He has a black bag on his head. I think he pokes him in the head as well. And Aldo's like... And then he gets head-butted. Aldo head-butts him. Oh, yeah, you're flinching, you're flinching. And then he... Bam. But yeah, so then we have an amazing shot of Aldo being hauled into this truck and driven off with another bastard that just happens to be there. I, I didn't understand where this guy appeared Yeah, I don't from. know where they got him from. And this is... I think we were confused before this recording starts. We were talking about how we didn't really understand what's happened to some of the bastards in the background. They just, like, appear and disappear. There's only, like, two you actually yeah. see get killed. Is the Bear Jew not... So do you thought the Bear Jew was in the cinema? He's he one of the two. Right. Okay, he does stay yeah, he's one of the two. It's just odd he doesn't use his baseball bat again. That's like <laughs> Oh, yeah, because me. you could totally sneak a baseball bat into the <laughs> film premiere <laughs> and no one would question they got why a machine gun they're in. carrying it. Got a machine gun in. No, they didn't. No, they didn't bring that in. They got that off the, the German guards. They could have said, "Oh, I, I needed to bring my camera equipment in because we're also shooting a film." Um, and the film was about baseball. <laughs> it was about baseball. I played Babe Ruth. Who? Um, anyway, whatever. They happen to have another bastard in that in the back of the van. I don't know which one. They take him to a bar where Christopher Fox is somehow already there. Yeah, I know. He just teleports because he's magic. And they take him by truck and Christopher Fox somehow is at the destination <laughs> at the same. time. He's in a faster truck. I think mean, he, he might have been like on top of the car, like Batman. <laughs> That or um, they were unconscious for a lot longer than they thought they were, and they really yeah. have bad, you know, they really need a brain scan. All the bar was right next to us, the cinema, and the truck just went around the block. <laughs> <laughs> I love that idea. Um, but they talk, and Lambda, Lambda's sort of saying, I'm a detective, I'm a very good one, I find people. And to, did you know what? This did think, sound to me as if, and I have seen Sherlock series four, like the worst Sherlock reboot ever. <laughs> um, with, with, oh, actually, I say that. Worst Sherlock reboot ever with Lambda being like, oh yes, we only solve Nazi crimes. But great, great Sherlock, Christopher Wa- Christopher Walken, Christoph Waltz as Sherlock Christopher Holmes. Christopher Waltzen. Christoph Waltz as Sherlock Holmes and Christopher Walken as Watson. <laughs> Come on. Come on. <laughs> I've seen a guy who looks like Christoph Waltz playing Sherlock Holmes. Who is that? Um, he's not an actor. There's an episode of... Um... Right. There's an episode of like Gordon Ramsay's Hotel Hell where the owner of the hotel does crime night and he dresses up as Sherlock Holmes and he looks like Christoph Waltz. <laughs> and he dressed up as the Nazi for Inglourious Bastards. <laughs> that would that's be, only on a different that, theme night. That would be that would, yeah, that's the one Prince Harry went to, isn't it? That's would would be Gordon Ramsay's Hotel Nightmares, where it's like, yeah, we're hosting Nazi night tonight. He'd be um he'd be locking them in and burning it down. I think that'd be good. Yeah, I mean, he'd turn into Bergie, just be like smashing things with a frying pan, just be like, "What is this? Who's a Nazi sandwich?" <laughs> um, yeah, Lander has now decided he doesn't like the nickname the Jew Hunter um, yeah, because years, he now huh? views himself more as a yeah he views himself more as a detective. Well, isn't there the implication basically that he was a private detective before yeah. the war? Was anyway, he? So. He, he does like, uh, he was a like he's basically he is somebody no, who one. saw the opportunity to rise up in the SS and took that. That makes sense. That again really fits with the character. 
yeah, but then we have like this discussion that you sort of get a discussion of the nicknames chosen for each side, you know, almost talk. It's almost also a discussion of propaganda. I mean, we're the end of the film now, um, but it's, it's a discussion of how each side sees each other and themselves. Just a little bit. It doesn't get too into it, but it's just, an, I, I thought, which is quite interesting. And I like that. Um, I yes, think the just, theme, the themes of the film come in, in a more direct way. He says, um, I think, is it Lander who says, well, I guess we aren't operating on the level of mutual respect as, like, mm. um, as as Aldo tells him basically to go fuck himself. Uh, it's like, no shit, you're not. Aldo's cuffed. If uh, You wouldn't show me mercy if I was in your if I was in your position. Fuck no. Initially, I didn't like the scene as much. Like, at this point, I was like, uh, I don't know. It feels like, it almost felt exposition. And I felt like I didn't feel like it had the weight to it as soon as, which turns on the dime in a second when we realise what's really going on. So I will say that that feel, my feeling on the scene totally flips. Yeah. But um, in fact, I literally wrote, next line is, I take it back. <laughs> because then what we find out is basically what, what Lando is saying is that if the plot goes ahead, the war ends. German High Command is over. But if it doesn't, the war continues. Now, this is my choice. He likes the power lander. This is his choice, ultimately. Yeah, he he makes so, he's giddy in this whole... Yeah, he loves he, it. He's he, like, he kind of forgets about, oh yeah, I killed her, she got what she deserved, but let's get back to the fun thing I'm doing yeah. now. He's having fun, which is well, he has, insane. He, he thinks at this point, he has won. He is. Yeah. He has beaten World he War Two. <laughs> You've be, I've beaten. Achievement get. <laughs> World, <laughs> War II. World War Two. <laughs> Um, but he knows where those two quote unquote Italian filmmakers are he could get them taken out it's up to him and it's actually now become much much more about self-preservation he basically doesn't want them to end the war just on their terms and get put in front of as he puts it which is like a Jewish tribunal um, which is prescient he says that as if the entire <laughs> rest of the world and all of the allies are Jewish well but what no but what you've got to remember the Nazi viewpoint is also that a lot of intellectuals intellectualism yeah. and the higher ranking that was a jewish thought it, he's not necessarily just saying he's talking about jews in more of an abstract sense as well as just the idea that there might be jews on the tribunal i think uh it's i think that is a part of the nazi ideology bleeding back into him um he obviously his language reflects the world he lives in as well yeah that's what i'm trying to say whether or not he the, irrelevant to how much he cares yeah. about x or y his language is reflecting that that's why he's I think not that's indoctrinated by. But I think that's because he doesn't subscribe to any doctrine except. Yeah, his exactly. Um, his doctrine is pow- is just it's him self-preservation and what he thinks is fun, and he will do. He'll go along with a doctrine. Oh yeah. Only, but he'll play it by his rules, and that's why he switches on a dime here. Just just goes for it. But yes, because basically he wants to make a deal. He will make a deal with Aldo's general. He, they've just got to radio their superiors at somewhere over there. Uh, basically negotiate for a conditional surrender. And it's an interesting term. Didn't expect it at all. And Aldo doesn't actually believe him, but it does happen. Uh, we then cut back to the cinema and we're seeing uh, Nation's Pride, this film, which, by the way, was directed by Eli Roth. So it's a film within a film directed by someone else. <laughs> it's a massively over-the-top, uh, yeah. ridiculous battle scene. He's got a bolt-action rifle, which he never has to reload. Yeah. He's firing it as fast as a machine gun and hitting every single shot. <laughs> So, yeah, you know, uh, it is ridiculous. But again... Deliberately it, so. It kind of is. You know, it is It is ridiculous. Yeah, pro- propaganda film. Obviously, it's are... terrifying, but it is ridiculous as well. Like... This this world. And this world you, that these people yeah. believed in. I, I've watched enough, like, actual propaganda films, like, allied propaganda films. They are utterly ridiculous. 
there was like mm. one where the, the Americans were trying to assure the guys that were going to fight that all of the enemy weapons were garbage. So they had all these like staged weapon tests where the, it was so hideously rigged and everything they were saying was crap about the German weapons um, is actually stuff that we now know perfectly well was what they were better at. There were like genuine weaknesses of them and they don't mention it in the video. They're just trying to make out that they're terrible at everything. Um, and it, it's just a load of complete garbage. So one of the bastards leaves, the fake Italians. He goes upstairs and he basically sees Hitler poking his, poking his... I think it was Hitler, right? Poking his head out of the door asking a soldier for gum. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is, I guess, uh, insane. But anyway, he goes back to the other one and it's so great. It's so awkward. He's just going, hey, like, web gesturing. And then the guy gets up and we've all done this in the cinema. He's just going through, like falling over people. He goes, scoozy, scoozy, scoozy. <laughs> <laughs> so we can all relate to that, surely. Um, out of everything in this film, you know, this just that, that humanizes the bastards one last time, makes them feel fallible, as if they haven't already fucked up <laughs> half the shit they're doing. Um, as if almost every scene they're in, they don't make a dramatic mistake. As if most of them hadn't been killed in a massive fight. It would almost have been better if one of them had le- been left alive, but he was just exiting the bar, going scoozy, scoozy around all the dead bodies. Doing little. Italian finger gestures, because that's all he knows in Italian is scusi and that. I mean, that's what they do when they're doing the name scene, is that they keep doing more. Yeah, yeah, he just keeps doing that in the background. (laughs) I didn't notice that. That's fantastic. Um, Yeah. So Marcel locks the audience in, and then he goes to the back screen where you see all this flammable nitrate tank. We then come back to Lander, and he's negotiating with the American general. And he's basically asking retroactively to be made essentially a war hero, logged as like a double agent. Then he kind of, and he's listing all these things like, oh, what you said, did this and did this. And he's like, I want you to say that I put the dynamite, oh, that's not even any accent, um, put the dynamite <laughs> in this box. Oh, oh, actually, that one's true. I did that one. And then you Which see is what early, confirms seen... they didn't need to make this into a suicide bombing because Lander literally just takes the bomb and just puts it I under mean, their fair, seat. <laughs> I think they didn't know. Like, they, to guarantee getting Hitler and Goebbels, they got it, you got to put it right under them. And they, they were not going to be able to access that. Oh, they so, found another way of guaranteeing it. Yeah, I want to guarantee that in a bit, which is pretty awesome. And he also wants the Congressional Medal of Honor. He wants land on Nantucket Island. He wants American citizenship, and he wants a full army pension. So not not big requests, clearly. That's not, and it's sickening. Yeah, the full army pension is such a little thing at the end of it. That's symbolic. I mean, yeah, he wants the American army pension. So imagine if the Americans have a better pension scheme as well. It's like, aha, this is what it was all about. And this, this stuff is sickening, right? This this getting his thing. But also, sort of, Walt has so much fun with it that it's it become it definitely has become by now like a love to hate sort of yeah, villain. Yeah, it's it's I think. it's like farcical how well it's going for him. Yeah, which is what makes the end so much sweeter. Um, <laughs> oh, yes. but yeah. So the US general agrees to Lander's demands, and what they're going to do is they're going to go cross Allied lines. At which point, the radio operator and Lander will surrender to the to the remaining bastards. This is based on something that actually happened. Uh, essentially, it was I believe the commander of the forces in Austria basically knew the Allies were coming and the Russians were coming, and he thought basically it's better to surrender to the Allies than get captured by the Germans, the the Russians. Sorry, so he surrendered to the Allies. Um. And that is vaguely what this is based on. So Zola, we then see Zola, the war hero, leaving the box to go find Dreyfus, um, where she and Marcel are sort of getting ready. And he's 
says he's come because he doesn't like to see himself killing people. And it almost wants to evoke some sympathy in you, but I think we kind of know by now that's not really true. Or else he wouldn't have acted in it. He He's done it because he thinks that might impress her, I think, to be like, oh, I don't really Bit like of humility. seeing that. Yeah. She tells him to go away. She starts to close the projection room door. And he, he this is where he snaps. We just burst it, push her over, um, and basically is hurting her. And that's it. That's any, any sort of cred you've built up for this guy, any sympathy, any sort of even slight bit of this guy might have a bit of humility is gone. And he's become the total entitled guy that he clearly Monster. was the whole film. Yeah. Murderer of many, many people. Enjoys it, revels in it, replays it. I never even thought yeah. of it like that. But, you know, he's gone and retrod all those murders he done did. Well, in war, but still. Yeah, there's a difference between what he's doing because he's, he's fully aware of his... Yeah. Like, he is fully proud of the Third Reich. And, and his contribution it, to it. And he's gone to replay it and then has yeah. the nerve to go and pretend that he's not that proud of it. I've just written here, cunt. That's <laughs> what <laughs> <laughs> I've written. He wants her to be Valid. grateful to him. Like, because of course he does, again. Because he's like, I get, I, I've got you this, like, premiere and I've done all this stuff for you. And then she sort of goes, okay, okay, just lock the door. Lock the door, you know, like, okay. So as he turns to lock the door, she shoots him loads of times in the back. Great. Fucking great. Three times. Um, and I checked where the holes were just to, just so I could say how bullshit this scene And they was, actually killed Daniel Bruhl. The, the, the holes are quite nicely positioned, but he should be really, really dead. Yeah, so we'll find out in a second he's not quite dead yet. Uh, but what's really cool, I will say, is that because there's so much shooting in the film, which almost feels like Tarantino was like... Yeah, no one notices the gunshots. Yeah, he kills hundreds of people in the film so that when that film's playing, all the gunshots that happen throughout don't necessarily have nice to be Nice detail. Timed. She it's actually totally... looks out before she pulls the trigger. She oh, looks, really? She, she looks out at exactly oh. what's going on on the screen and then she pulls the trigger three okay. times in tune with the with the movie. That's amazing. It's amazing she's watched that film so many times that she's memorised it. But no, yeah, it's it's fantastic. And big, I literally cheered. I was like, yes! It's the only truly good character yeah. doing something heroic. And she's not, like, she sort of isn't, like, celebrating and dancing about it. She almost seems a bit remorseful, a bit reticent. He groans, so he's dying, not dead. She goes over to him, and, and she goes to sort of turn him over, and he just shoots her in the chest. Okay, yeah. I was going to say, not only is it bullshit that he's still alive, because one of the holes went right through where, above his heart, so that he would have been completely dead instantly from that. But also, he gets he pulls a gun out of nowhere. He actually doesn't have a gun. He's wearing a tuxedo. He has no holster. He's not in normal uniform. His um, tuxedo is still perfectly crisp, and he hasn't like opened it up or anything. He literally just pulls a pistol out Jack, of thin air think, in this scene. The great war hero, whatever the fuck his first name is, Zola, can do can do that, Jack. I think he you're can materialize a luger out of thin made air. of his own ego. That's why she's comfortable going up to him when she knows he's still alive, because like she probably didn't think he was armed either. There is just no explanation no, she for why he gets a gun from. Or maybe she did lose his genitals in war and they were replaced with a detachable pistol. <laughs> it hits you with that thing of no character is safe. Really, this. Yeah, she, they've got her. Safe as <laughs> Not even versus illogical death. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say, it's like, she's done everything right. She's been really smart the entire time. She's made absolutely no mistakes. And despite the fact that the bastards are trying to do the same thing, her plan does not require them. Her plan, without any knowledge of their existence, goes off without a hitch. 
She does everything right, and then Tarantino is like, I'm going to materialise a handgun out of thin air in the hands of a person who should be dead. It's gonna be it's gonna be tragedy. I mean to be fair, it is it fits with that theme that it's a tragic it, it, it romance. It fits with the theme. It definitely fits with like the theme, but as you say. Like they could have built up to it. She could wing him and shoot him in the chest once, and then she thinks he's dead and is dealing with the fact that she killed him. And then you see him like slowly reach into his ankle, like, obviously dying. Yeah. And then you have the foreboding of being like, oh God, no, 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 don't touch him. And then he's like, bam. And it's really sad. Yeah. And I think, honestly, so we were talking before about how Marcel does survive, it turns out. I thought he died. That I think is great. And I love the fact that he gets to move on. Someone gets to remember at least the good the sort of sides of the story that no one else knows. And that story is written and her story remains alive somehow. I think that's wonderful. Yeah. I do think her surviving would also have been acceptable, I would say. I don't think that would have ruined the movie. Even though we're not necessarily sold on this death, as they both die, it holds on her face and it's horrible and it's brilliant because this is death not being treated lightly. And death is often, in Tarantino movies, can be treated quite Especially for minor characters, it's just like you know, all those people just getting blown away. But in this case, not necessarily like Fitz's Kill Bill, Bill's death and already she's death are treated very with a lot of gravitas. I think, the but this is Tarantino like that. uses there is a dif- differential in the way death between are treated, two types of death, which signify the yeah. importance of it. So the bastards then, as shit starts going. Sorry, they're, they're getting ready to do the plan, right? So they are then working out how they're going to kill these two Nazi guards outside Hitler's box, right? And so they're thinking, right, all this, you'll go pass and offer champagne. Can you get to the other one after I've shot him? Well, yeah, because each of them's time, got a, they've got a punch little hand with gun. a single shot. Yeah. Um, but it looks suspicious if two guys walk up together <laughs> to the two <laughs> guards. So, like, the guards. The guards aren't going to be suspicious of a single waiter coming along, <laughs> but they'll be suspicious if they see two guys approaching. One goes and offers them champagne. Then he just shoots them. And as the other turns, Dishonored... It's like I haven't played so much fucking Dishonored. That's what this reminds me of. The other one just sprints up and gets gets the second guard. It's such a great shot. I Maybe the best sort of my favourite fighty sequence in the movie. I don't know. What do you yeah, guys think? Yeah, it's very, it's very neat. It feels very believable. Yeah, it's pretty good. So, okay, at this point, we get Hitler laughing at Wilhelm screams. Or as they call them, William screams. <laughs> Maximilian screams soon when um, Wilhelm's son gets gets to succeed his dad. Um, <laughs> but no, Hitler likes it. He says to Goebbels, "I think this might be your best film." And it's I genuinely felt sick. Goebbels like starts tearing up. Yeah, and, like I, it's just disgusting. The toadyism, but it's not even like oh, I better ingratiate myself with this guy. No. Genuinely, and I could, he genuinely believes it. God damn it, he's suggesting it's not okay for men to cry. <laughs> I'm suggesting it's not okay for Nazis to cry about the beauty of their um, propaganda films <laughs> yeah exactly on the film Zola then says who has a message from Germany and um, Shoshana Dreyfus knew exactly where to, to cut this because it then cuts to Dreyfus going I have a message for Germany that you're all going to die which I guess to make this her like almost vengeful spirit thing I yeah, guess it kind of that lines up as well her dying yeah. Look into the face of the Jew who's going to do it, which is a pretty sick line. And then Marcel 
flicks his cigarette into the fire. So I guess so he then leaves. He leaves, at least. So yeah, li- literally, the behind the stage is just a simple door to the, to the road outside. He just ignites it and he walks out. You don't see him walk out, but no, why would Shalom. he stay? <laughs> uh, she then laughs. Like, it's just hysterical, mad laughter from her, like, like a vengeful spirit, as the fire burns and the screen burns. And it's just a fantastic scene. It must have been absolutely hell to film. Uh, hundreds of extras just surging Running, screaming to the doors, fire. explosions, masonry's falling. Is that was? I was. Yeah, it must have been real fire. The bastards burst in, and they just fucking light up Hitler and Goebbels, and I, I'm not Mrs. Goebbels, but the the interpreter, <laughs> his mistress. But yeah, the, after they after they machine gun Goebbels and Hitler, they just turn like, oh hey, you're yeah, here too. Oh yeah, you too. The door and they get her too. Is the poodle there? Do they get that? I don't know if the poodle. I don't think the poodle and the, would have. And then one of them the reloads film. and puts another bastard. <laughs> the poodle was very anti-Nazi. <laughs> what, what do they do, Jack? One of them reloads and puts another whole magazine into Hitler's face. <laughs> oh, so good. I would. You would. <laughs> yeah, yeah you don't want to be the guy worse. who almost killed Hitler. But the thing is, like this is my point. After they, they, they kill the, they kill Goebbels and Hitler. Yeah, and everyone else in the crowd is stuck and burning down below. At this point, the sensible thing to do is remove the bomb strapped to your leg, throw yeah. them down, and then run out of the building. But instead, they stand there shooting into the crowd until they get blown up themselves. It is really. Really odd because you presume there aren't really loads of Nazi officers outside or loads I mean, of guards. Yeah, so they could probably just, make a run for it. I think they're just in the in the passion of. But maybe you know, again, maybe it's that they want to get they want to go out like this. Maybe they don't see themselves. It's not quite touched on the movie. Maybe they don't see themselves. There's a place for them after the war. Maybe if you were, if, if they were going to set that up, they'd have to actually give us some background of these characters, which they yeah. Never do. I mean, maybe it's just they needed to fulfil the debt. They owe they owe, they owe them one hundred Nazi scalps. Ah, it could be. And you don't just... get scalps of a machine gun, Finn. Well, they 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 were going to stay after and dynamite. start scalping. Nor dynamite, for that matter. <laughs> shooting, shooting the scalps off people. <laughs> um, but no, it's it's always satisfying. It's like the to helmets in Payday, and you get a headshot and just pop off. So yeah, as the as Jack said, as the crowd scream and run, the fire spreads. They shoot down into the crowd. Dreyfus talks about Jewish vengeance as the bastards just fire into this crowd and. Yeah, but these are the higher up Nazis, and so I have yeah you know, people should, who are think, either you directly be, you resulted in or indirectly profiting from. Also, some schoolgirls, but mostly, oh, yeah. mo- mostly acceptable. <laughs> oh god, no, they they escaped. But yeah, no. So th- so and got one of them, them became the leader of the Front National. <laughs> <laughs> this Marine Le Pen escaped from. <laughs> And one of them became Ava Braun. How does this this make sense? (laughs) But yeah, no. So the bastards are shooting down to this crowd. The theatre's burning. It's incredibly choreographed. Um, And what's really awesome, this is my favorite thing maybe in the movie. So so Pepper's Ghost is a thing where the Victorians, I don't know who exactly invented it, but it was invented in that time. You could shine a light through an image or a photo or something, onto smoke, and it would look like a hologram. That's what happens here, naturally. The smoke from the fire and the film's projector creates a Pepper's Ghost 3D hologram effect of her face laughing um, as the place burns. I don't know if you guys are aware of this. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's that's pretty much how most degrees. holograms work. This Pepper's Ghost thing is inspired. Um, it's so cool. This is. I'm going to just read what I've read. They both explode, and the cinema explodes, and someone gets thrown out the window. No more blood fountains. Only fire fountains. It's just, it's so quick. It's in seconds. Everything just... 
Um, but yeah, it's incredibly over the top. But that's it. German High Command is dead. The war is effectively over. Um, the film is coming to an end. This is the last scene. We cut to Aldo and Lander driving to the US lines and surrendering. And Christoph Waltz looks incredibly happy. Like he's just... And it's that's proof of ever you needed one that it's all about him. Or at least a lot of it's about him. He's won the game. Aren't I so clever? <laughs> Take me into custody so I can go live my cushy life, you know? And they then shoot and scalp the other radio operator. And Christoph is really, upset. He's really, really unhappy. He's like, No! That's the first time you see him feel like remorse for another person dying. Is it is it remorse though, or is yeah. it just is it just that something in his plan has been pulled out? He wasn't I expecting that. Maybe maybe they're like lovers. <laughs> oh my god, that's something we did. That was he loved Herman. <laughs> I was going to propose. Um, no, and then when Christoph was unhappy, um, <laughs> I would like this a, sta- a military pension and for gay marriage to be legalized, in- <laughs> <laughs> so that I may marry my radio operator. And uh, let me tell you, let me tell you, America would have said, "No deal, let the war continue." <laughs> yeah. uh, let's be honest. We'll keep fighting this war for what we believe in. <laughs> um. Yeah, so Christoph Waltz, he's not happy. And what's amazing is, I love this line from Bad Page. He goes, oh, so now life is sacred? Like, you know, just fuck off. You can't just be like, oh, this one guy, as you said, Finn, it's the first time you see him being sympathetic towards anyone in the movie, you know. So suddenly you're the good guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All the talks about how it's a good deal. I'd take this deal. You'd take this deal, wouldn't you? Last surviving bastard whose name I don't bother to remember. Killing all the high commanders. Yes, I would. Worth the deal. The line before worth... is just great, though. He's like, I made a bargain for that man's life, made deal for that man's life. He said, yeah, oh, well, yeah. we don't really need him. We just we, we just need you. Yeah. And he goes, you'll be shot for this. And he goes, nah, nah I'm like, chewed nah, out. I've been chewed out, out before. I've been chewed out before. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'll get told off for this, but I don't really care. I'm going to have my fun. But yeah, so um, I'd sort of forgotten this happened because it's much earlier in the movie, but he goes, but you're going to take off that SS uniform, aren't you? And that's when you know what's going to happen. And we can't abide that. I love that. We can't abide that. Um mm-hmm. I'm going to give you something you can't take it off. And you see him. And it's this is the only time you see it properly yeah, yeah, happening. Yeah, you should say you get nice closer. The swastika just getting carved into his head. And it's, he goes deep. He's cutting to the bone. Yeah. It's totally grotesque and it's totally satisfying at the same time. And he goes, you know, Yudovich, I think this might just be my masterpiece. Right, go on, Finn. Do it slightly less shit than me. You know, Yudovich? Sorry. Okay. Okay. Focus. Take two. Get, 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 get the juices flowing. Get some saliva. Uh, One hundred Nazi scalps. One hundred Nazi scalps. One hundred Nazi scalps. <laughs> That's the you line. Know, you, rich. you know, you know, rich. This might just be my masterpiece. That's all right. Close enough. Close. I, I, close I, enough. I feel like I could play him in the the musical version of Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> but that's it. He says, "I think this might be my masterpiece." It cuts. That is not subtle, Quinton. <laughs> That is not subtle, <laughs> thank you. Um, you almost feel like he knew that was going to be his last line yeah. well before he finished it. But yeah, that's it. That's the end of the film. That's the end of Inglourious Bastards. I've been waiting a very long time to watch that film. i got to say, I actually think I liked it less than I was expecting. I did love it. I really liked it. But I think less than I was expecting. I sort of thought this might it's, become my new favourite. I, I think it's a very... like I love it, but it is quite a dense film. Like it's there's a it's like Kill Bill Volume One and Jackie Brown still supersede like as my favourite Tarantino. This might come in third, or Kill Bill Volume Two might slide in 
Above it? I'm really, I'm really biased. I really like it. Is this your favourite? Yeah, it's my favourite, yeah. Pulp Fiction's probably the best, but I think this is my favourite. I enjoy this movie, but I don't enjoy it as much as I enjoyed some of the previous ones that we've watched. Like, I think if I had to rank this, it's probably on, like, the same footing as maybe Jackie Brown, but I think I enjoyed Jackie Brown a bit more than Inglourious Bastards. I find Bastards. this much more fun if you watch Inglourious Bastards in five 30-minute segments. It's really good for holding your attention <laughs> for 30 minutes at a time, but it's yeah, just too damn long. Are... Yeah, that's what I had to do. That's I, I, I had to, like, watch it, like, in segments, because the first time I watched it all the way through, to be honest, it kind of bored me. The only thing that, like captivated me that, was Christoph Waltz like in many ways it's, he... it's got it's got fantastic scenes but there's actually very little plot that happens and if and if something is that long with no plot I get bored very quickly and like of all the Tarantino films this is the one that really is kind of like the hardest to follow unless you watch it in like a episodic manner I absolutely love will. the scene I, like, I don't know I, I back think... to back is a bit much for me I yeah. think watching it that way though you completely miss out on some of the more interesting sort of cross-pollination of ideas like i think watching it in one go means you can you can appreciate the fact that that line at the beginning has some relevance right at the end and you know there's loads of sections in it where i think i mean to be fair like the other day these are all still really really good movies and it's still a very 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 good movie it's just opinions are subjective also this is straight up my favorite no competition that's fair that's fair i mean Speaking of favorites, speaking of favorites, uh, our next, the next one we watch is actually my favorite Django Quentin Tarantino Chain, movie which I'm sure that I've been will come waiting. Out in many, many months. Yes. When, um, when we get around to that. Well, that was a rock and rolling <laughs> podcast, wasn't it? That's a bumper one and a bumper movie. With that, we're going to say thank you very much for listening. The next episode will be a mini-sode, but the next movie we cover will be Django Unchained. Thank you very much for listening, and that's goodbye from all of us. Goodbye. Bye. Bye all. Bye.